welcome to Crit Apocalypse episode 216, as always. Six, no. 216. 216. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you not? No. Okay. Welcome to episode 216. I'm Matt. This is Ant. As always, we're here to talk about some stuff and fangs. Before we do, Ant, anything new? Anything new? Anything new? In general? Yeah, like what's been going on? I mean, how there's a lot of new babies are born every day. That's... Paul Rubens died? That's sad. How do you feel about Pee Wee Herman? Hurry up. Oh, How do you time. feel about Pee-wee? What's your favourite Paul Rubens film? Mystery Men. No, it was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You just tried to come up with no. a smart answer and then you said Mystery Men, but you didn't Mystery think about Men it. the smart answer? No. The one where he plays the guy who farts all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what, it's the lo- more low-key answer. Like, you could say... He never played low-key, that was Tom Hiddleston. No, but it's the more low-key. You no. know what I mean. Actually... Did he play Loki or something? No, you're thinking you're thinking of Alan Cummings. Son of Mars was Alan Cummings. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> anyway, so Paul Rubens died, and you'll remember him as Pee Wee Herman, the guy who masturbated in the, the cinema. Penguin's dad. Mystery Men, Penguin's dad. He masturbated in the cinema in the cinema where you went to masturbate. I know, in. I know, I know, and I don't know why it was a big thing. No. Like, why did it matter? Anyway, and he's also a very funny character in uh, in um, Thirty Rock. Do you remember he was the prince? With the degenerative bone disease. He had the tiny body and he had the guy that was like, he was like, toss me. <laughs> it's for him. Um, anyway, yeah, so, uh, yeah, really, really sad. Just had a fight with cancer and just passed away. Just died. That's shitty because he was younger than I thought. He was like 67, I think, or 72 or something. How old was he? Come on, Ant, you're old. You know Paul Rubens. It's about 70. Is he about 70? Yeah. Uh. 71. See, told you. No, wait. No. Younger. 70. See? Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, real shame. Um, I'm just going to quickly talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer the film. Even though Kirsty Swanson became a super MAGA woman. Did she? Yeah. She became real maga uh, And she's killed two of her fellow cast members so far. What? She, in real life, she's killed Paul Rubens and Rudger Hauer. Did she? Yeah, I reckon that's the cause of it. All right. Um, but no, so, uh, Paul Rubens, he was, he was like a, like a Renfield character that had already been turned. And, uh, in, in probably one of the most memorable scenes in the film, Kirsty Swanson stabs him in the heart and he pantomimes dying for about five minutes. It was so funny that at the end of the credits, he comes back and goes, uh, he's just really hamming it up. And it's a nice little scene. Is he dead? Who fucking knows? You don't need to care. It's just like a really nice little scene. Really fun. There's even a part where he's like, where he's holding the stake in his chest and he gets down really low to the ground and he's just kicking, kicking the wall with his leg. He's like, ah, <laughs> and it's just, it's great. It's a nice little thing. It's really sad that he's gone. And any news from you? What news? What? what, what any, anything news? happening any in your news? world? No, nothing happened. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. Transformers. Yeah, Did you hear about all the Transformers stuff? There's all sorts of Transformers Have you heard about all stuff. the Transformers stuff? All of it. Yeah. More recently, Activision have said that they lost all the Transformers games. Did, well, they did didn't. you hear about that? They didn't say that. No, what did they say? Hasbro said. Hasbro that. said they lost all the games, yeah? Well, because they're trying to make the gamer figures and they couldn't yeah. get the files of Hasbro for the gamers. Yeah, and it turns out they were on... And Hasbro were like, no, no, we haven't lost them. So yeah. now Activision were like, we haven't lost them. Yeah. Which begs the question why Activision weren't sending Hasbro the files for the the new game figures that they're making. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they if they had it... Why haven't Hasbro got the files? Exactly, exactly. Why aren't they available? And why aren't we able to play those classic games? Because some of them are quite good, aren't they? Yeah. 
What did you think is the Cybertron series? Is that what it's called? No, there's there's the Wolf Cybertron. Wolf Cybertron. Cybertron. Oh, okay. And then there's meant to be a third one, wasn't there? The third one's technically that Rise of the Dark Spark game, but that wasn't made by the same people, and it was oh, okay. done to tie into one of the Michael Bay movies. Okay. It's best not to think about it. But you've played those games? Yeah. And what do you think of them? Not Rise of the Dark Spark. Not Rise of the Dark Spark, no, yeah. But the other ones you played? Yeah. Um, would you say they're good? <clears throat> yeah. Would you buy them again if they were to be released on, say, a Swatch or yeah. a Steam? Maybe, if they actually released them. They yeah. were released on, um, there was an Xbox One version of Full Desire Trump. Was there? Yeah, it's one of the really early Xbox One games. How expensive is it? Probably very expensive, right? Yeah, until Activision re-release it. Yeah. If they ever do. Okay, okay. So that was some news from Ant. Uh, anything else, Ant? Why is it news from me? Because it's about Transformers and you just told everyone the news. <clears throat> you accidentally gave some news. <clears throat> no. How's that feel? How's that feel? I don't care. How's Why are you playing around with the computer? I'm not I'm getting stuff up for my reviews. It's your review first this week. Review shit. Go. Your review first. Do a review. Why you bullying me? Why are you? Why are you? Why are you like this? You go away. You have a little holiday. You come back and fucking. There's dust on my mic. What are you doing? Oh, also, they're releasing Red Dead Redemption for PC and no, PS3 just and PS... PS4 and no, 5. Just PS4 and Switch. Oh, okay. PS4 and Switch. No, there's a PS5 version as well. No, there isn't. It's just a PS4 version. It's just the PS4 version. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how much are they on? Well, Guess the price, how much they're going to cost. Full price. How much is full price, Ant? Give me a figure. A lot. No, come on, give me a figure. We're going to play the prices right. Come on, how much are they going to charge you for playing a game like, that was released in 2008? 50 quid, probably. Dead on. Well done. Yeah, of course. Well you going to buy them day one? You going to buy those games day uh, one? Maybe. Yeah? All right. Okay, Ant, your review. Uh, what am I supposed to review? Anne, I don't know what you watched. Just talk about stuff. Come on. Come on. Do you want to do TF Nation first? I could do. Yeah, you want to talk about TF Nation? Come on, give us a... No, actually, you watched all of Strange New Worlds. Yeah, but that's... I'm going to do that as the first review. Okay, maybe not. All right, you watched all of... Did you watch Spider-Man? What? Did you watch Spider-Man? No, I didn't have time. I was on... I was... You've had Friggin- so much time. I was in Birmingham. So much, so when was I supposed to watch? I watched Highlander while I was... You watched fucking Highlander? Yeah, I watched it last night. You watched Highlander, <laughs> but you haven't watched... Yeah. Oh, no, I watched Highlander. All right, well, review Highlander. I'm not going to review Highlander. Review Highlander, then. Um, Hold on, I'm getting distracted by stuff. No, stop playing on your fucking phone and review a thing. Um, fuck it. So, I went to TF Nation. Oh, my God, here we go. He's talking about... He's bragging about his hot. <laughs> Convention, convention for Transformers. <laughs> it's um, for Transformers? Yeah. So you're a robot in disguise? It's no, a convention I'm for Transformers a fans. Convention about robots in disguise. It's a tra- Transformers convention for fans of the series Yeah. and the toys. Yeah, no, not the toys, the general, just the series. And no, the no, general no. concept of Transformers. Yeah. Yeah, they've got a DeWalt stand there because they misunderstood. Yeah. I love the fact you laughed at them. You did everything you could not for it to pick up on the microphone. I need to, well, everything I could, as in not laugh. As in, as in you, you, you Yeah, I went to that. I went for two days this year yeah, rather than the free. Because like, I didn't bother getting Sunday tickets because it's 35 quid for the for the ticket entry. It's a mm. bit expensive. But to be fair, they, they don't charge you for sign-ins or anything. It's pretty... Oh, you just get stuff chill. signed for free? Yeah. You can pay. If, if you buy like... The artists like 
artwork oh, or something, yeah. then you pay for it. But if you bring something, they'll just sign it. Did you get any art? Um, I got one. I got one from Gav Spence. Yeah. Um, the cover for Last Spot Standing he did. Who's Gav Spence? He's the guy who does that TRDQ YouTube channel. Scottish guy. Really tall. Oh, bald yep, head. Yep, 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 yep. Um, Actual Titan class human. He's like six foot eight or something, I think. Is he really tall? Yeah, he's really tall. Oh, he's how pretty, does he do it? Uh, he's all right. He's all right. I got, I got that and I bought raffle tickets. I've won a prize. What prize did you win? I think I've won a blue version of this little pink Superior I got. Oh, okay. When did you find out? Well, they said it was a blue one. <coughs> but I won. Just said a blue Superior. And Is there not like a bigger version of that figure? I mean, they're not going to send me an entirely blue giant superior. That's, it wasn't that sort of pride. They didn't. Oh, right. It was just going to be one of these things. Because <laughs> they had some custom figures. This is like a custom mini figure. In Japan, they did rubber figures like this. And Basically, for anyone who plastic can't moldings. see... Plastic For anyone who's not watching the live stream that doesn't exist, these are a bit like the old... Uh, what, what, were the, what were the rubber... Um, well, I, I told closets. them I was going to get this one because it looked like a military muscle man. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's a muscle. <laughs> but, that was um, what they were called. I think, I think I've got another blue one. I mean, I don't know. I think it's one of them. But um, yeah. the main prizes were like... Because they did that Thunder Clash Goes Bananas comic, which is really good. And um, someone did a custom Thunder Clash based on the... Rise of the Beast Optimus Prime mold, and they even took like the Machine Wars trailer, which in the comic is the spaceship, and they made a custom version of that to go with it. Someone's won that. I don't know who. Um, there's a bunch of little Warpath figures. Do you want to well. beat them up for you? Yeah, I'm gonna mug them. Um, no, no, let me do it. Adam. I love killing them. I got, I got one of my Holy Grails. First oh, thing Holy I brought, Grail. a fucking a taco tank. He's got, he's got. He's got little puppet arms. He's got... <laughs> he's got little puppet arms. How brilliant yeah. is that? Um, he's missing some bits. He hasn't got his water blaster. Okay. Because obviously I would be squirting you. No, you wouldn't. If that was there. No, you can't. Um, Come on. This podcast is... This is rated E for everyone. So don't fucking start talking about squirting me. And he hasn't got his little manic card inside him. But to be honest, in the Beast Wars Neo cartoon that this appears in, uh, Icard does, loses the uh, sort of... Dart. I think he gets killed. Right. And his, um, his younger brother, Clawjaw... Or whatever he's called in the Japanese one takes control of it. A claw jaw is infinitely cheaper than a Nickard, so I might just get a claw jaw and stick him in there. Um, but that's the thing; he can, his eyes rotate. Uh, um, it's pretty cool. It's got a motorbike in him. I wanted one of these last year, but they were gone. But this year, five minutes before the doors opened for the general public to have an early access thing, I didn't pay for. Mm-hmm. They tweeted that they still had a few left. Okay, and I just I made a beeline for it; just went straight there, grabbed it. Um, got myself a new T-shirt, which is in the wash. Yeah, it's like a Street Fighter fighting screen with Transformers on it. Oh, nice, nice. Done by Zombie Workshop. Nice. Luke and T's. Picked up a bunch of figures. Met some people. People recognise me again. Oh, that's a weird thing. So when when you say they recognise you, do they come up and say, "Oh, your Wild Wars hat"? Yeah. Oh, they know your Wild Wars Just hat. Rise around. Do I you tell them about this podcast? I don't envy the um the way more you know the that the actual well known. Guys, there because like few was saying, few Adams mm-hmm. um, was saying that he basically had a really hard time looking at anything in the convention hall because people were going up to him. Yeah, the whole time. I mean, I've seen that happen. I didn't, I didn't spot him this year in the hall. I because I mean, I think there's probably a crowd of people around him the whole time. Mm. Um, Poor I chatted to two of the three guys from Triple Takeover podcast. Um, a different. There's three guys, right? Last year I got Six O and, and Maz. Yeah. This year I got Liam and Maz. I still haven't managed to get all three of them. In one so what is their podcast? Triple Takeover. What do they do? Talk about Transformers. Oh right, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it's the only podcast worth listening to, to be honest, on the internet, the entire internet. Because um, I, I hate listening to podcasts. You really don't like um, listening to podcasts? Yeah, I avoid it where possible. To be honest, like, you shouldn't listen to podcasts. I, A bunch I of middle-aged twats just telling you wait, stuff. Wait, I'm not middle-aged. How old are you? 34. Middle-aged. Fuck off. Basically, right, middle-aged. You're middle-aged, I'm not middle-aged. With all your allergies, you're middle-aged. I'm not got allergies. <laughs> Strawberries, that's it. Don't fucking start telling people I've got a bunch and of allergies. And raspberries. No, raspberries. What don't. other what other things can kill you? We need to make a list. They can't kill me. They make me very sick. No, but a lot yeah. enough of them would. I don't know. Mm. I'd have to stop vomiting to put more in me. Mm. But even then, I I don't think that's going to be pleasant for anyone involved. I think you just don't like the taste of strawberries, and you're a big baby. No, I get all puffy and I vomit, and it's gross. It's the seeds. You get all puffy. You get all puffy. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. This is this is not a weight shaming podcast. Don't you dare fat shame me on the fucking pot. Get on with your goddamn review, you prick. But yeah, I'm chatting to Liam and Maz. Yeah. Maz, Liam's, Liam seemed quite happy to meet me. He's like, oh, you're well, well. Oh, here we Because he, he's like a big child. He's, um, you should see, he regularly posts his breakfast and stuff, and it's like just sweets. No. <laughs> it's not, um, he, he seems all right. They seem like a good bunch of lads. They did a live podcast thing. I watched that on Friday night, and... Um, there was a bit of a chat with some of the actors who did who do um, voice work, like Sue Blue, who does the voice of RC in Transformers the movie, and she's like a voice director on shitloads of cartoons. Oh, cool. Absolute tons of them. She was there. And David Sobolov. Any of the newer Transformers, like the ones that like people like, the Michael Bay ones? No, not, no, not those. No one cares about those. Well, he David Sobolov did the voice of um, Ape Link and I think Battletrap in the okay. new Transformers film. Okay. Um, Ape Link's the big monkey at the start. Yeah, yeah the one who gets killed. Who's yeah. Not yeah, but um, there was also Jeremy Levy. He does like the vo- he does loads of voices in Transformers Cyberverse and a few other things. Um, he does Bumblebee and Whirl and stuff. And they had the health and safety video at the start that Gav Spence had made, and he voiced Whirl in the health and safety video. Because hmm. um, Whirl was insisting there should be a health and safety thing. Whirl's the last person who should be taking health and safety advice. Because he from- murders people. He's a crazy Transformer. Oh. He's a bit cray cray, but they got yeah. Jamie Levy, and I chatted with Jamie Levy for a little bit. Um, and what did he say? Just chatted with him, said hi, and all that. He so. said, "I hate you. What are you doing?" Yeah, here? but um, no, I just bumped into him in the corridor. He was walking next to me, and I was like, oh, "Hello." Did you get anything signed by him? No, I don't do signings. Can't you don't do signings. Can't bother anymore. Oh, okay. Too old for that. But um, no, it's a good time. Hung out with um, a couple of guys as Jay who I met last year at the convention. He's the one who won the Wild Wheels figure I gave away <coughs> last year. Oh, nice. Um, but I met him this year. We hung out. Um. Went to five guys for food and chilled out and stuff with a bunch of other guys. Is there any, like, so this this is a question that I have, but also by association, Liv did wonder this as well. So we saw a video, and I spoke to you about this earlier, of a, of a person in a Lycra suit dancing, dressed as a Transformer, dancing, what I would say is a sexy way. In front of a stage full of people, and I just are you to sure ask, that was at TF Nation? Yeah, it said TF Nation. Like, this year, yeah. Like, was there? Is there? When was that? I don't know. Probably in the because the cosplay contest was only last night. Okay, so there's like a cosplay contest. Yeah. Is there like? So is there an aspect of this that's sexual to certain people? No. And and I mean, I didn't see the cosplay contest, but okay. I mean, it's the shows for all ages. But there's no aspect I of the trans- Transformers fandom that's sexual. Probably. I mean, 
Like, you didn't see anyone there dressed just like... a bunch of perverts around. Yeah, you didn't see a bunch of perverts around. No, it's for all ages, for kids. Okay. Were there a lot of kids there? Yeah, loads of kids. Protect them kids. What, from the transformers? (laughs) 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 Fucking... This is becoming a turf podcast. Are you a turf now? No. Um, I'm just going to look at the cosplay contest. It's very, very, like... Friggin' welcoming environment. That no, place. it sounds like it is. Like mm. so, the, the reason that the reason I think honestly, if someone showed any sign of being a turf, they'd be carted out of the convention yeah. and banned from entry. The reason, the reason I ask, it's just like it's one of those things, isn't it? With any fandom, like with any like seriously big fandom, you get a lot of people that do like they have sort of they get like a, they get into it in a different way, and that's fine. And like I know there's a lot of crossover with like furries and in Comic Con and shit like that. So I was just wondering. It's like a genuine question, like a You're really obsessed with furries, man. Recently I've been I've been reading about a lot of like there's like Nazi furries. Oh no. The fuck? How can no. you be a furry and a Nazi? Probably ironically. No. Kids uh, kids today are into irony in a whole level you don't get. You really yeah, honestly. Crazy. I saw a guy with a Transformer sucks T-shirt, and I thought, oh, he's ironic. Turns out he's a YouTuber. Um, ink, not paper planes. Might be paper planes. I don't know. I don't. I don't watch his videos. I saw that toy guy. He's a well-known YouTuber. Yeah. I was going to chat to him. He was right in front of me in the queue, but he I was getting fans coming up to him and stuff. I can't see this person in any of the videos, but like to be fair, like I think that if they were in one of these costumes, I think it may have been like an underlay thing that they were wearing. But there was someone like just dancing in like. They're wearing what it looked more like a Voltron to me than a You're Transformer. You're a Voltron. Maybe it's maybe you found something completely different. Maybe I found something completely different. But someone posted it under the the hashtag TF Nation on Twitter, which is what I was looking because yeah. uh, we went through TF Nation. Like basically, um, yeah, like I said, I just think it's incredibly endearing that there's all these people that are genuinely into like something so deeply, and like everybody wants to share it and they talk about it in such like a sweet yeah. way, and uh, and. And yeah, so we were just we were just talking about it, just trying to work it out, and and obviously you got me a transformer. My f- well, I say my first my first transformer in the last say twenty years. You got me a uh, got me a uh, animorphs transformer. Yeah, which is really a crossover of my two greatest loves. Yeah, animorphs and Anim- animorphs. <laughs> yeah, animorphs, animorphs. And you didn't want Rachel. No, I didn't. No, but the reason I didn't want Rachel is obviously. For those who don't know about animals, Tobias has an integral story to the animals' law. Mm. Is he the one who gets stuck in the body of a he rat? He's the one who gets stuck in the body of an eagle. Eagle. So the rule is, is, if you're an animal, if you can transform into that animal for two hours, but after two hours, you get trapped in the body of that animal. Now, you've still got your human mind, but obviously you are slowly succumbing to the instincts of the animal that your trapped has. And, like, Tobias, I'm pretty sure, like, there was, like, a really dark storyline where Tobias is, like, losing his human side. Like, because he's... Is he the one who's played by the Iceman? No, 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 no. No, that's um, Andy, I want to say. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. Was it him or is it his it's twin brother? That's oh, Fieh. Yeah. I met him, that's last year. Yeah, it is, yeah. I was looking at that. Because he was wearing that... Because that Meshuggah T-shirt, he um, accidentally dyed it pink. <laughs> it's a pretty sweet looking pink and sugar people, are tr- people are trying to get my sugar to release an official yeah, pink yeah I mean it's a pretty great looking t-shirt but no it all looks really good it looks really fun and like I said I, I genuinely I envy anyone who's like got an interest like this and like has found a place where there's so many people that get together and talk about this stuff I mean obviously the best thing was I got to sit and watch Highlander last yeah. night um, where did you watch Highlander? it's on BBC One oh, 
fuck's sake. You went back to the hotel, you watched Highlander. Well, it was late and I didn't get tickets for the Clubcon thing that was on the evening. Clubcon was the thing I was going to ask you about. So that what is the, Clubcon? That's, that's the evening entertainment. So, yeah, for, but what is it? like? It changes every year. It's all sorts but of stuff. But when you say evening entertainment, it's not like sexy adult entertainment. No, it's where they have the, the quiz. Do they do speed dating they do a for quiz. Transformers no. fans? No, why do you... Why what is wrong with you? I just I think that like a place where people go to all like this place for kids to be at as no, well. No, but adults go there, and if you've got adults going there, you could always be like, "Oh, here you go, guys, do a little bit of speed dating for the adults." Why would you do speed dating at a convention? Because there's so many people that are into the same shit. They've all got girlfriends and boyfriends and stuff. Oh, some of them might not. No, I don't know. There's a lot of lot of strange people at convention. I, you know, want, I just want to find you your transformers. They can all have queen. their partners. I want you to. I want to find you your. No one had any queen. human pets, at least. I want you to like. What's that girl you? on Twitter? Oh, the one who acts like a dog. No, he's got like a handlebar mustache, and he's like he tweets about having a human pet. Strange guy. I wouldn't don't let him in the convention like that. Yeah, I wouldn't. Let him I was worried I was going to get into trouble on Friday because um. They got this big old cardboard Rodimus Prime of Rodimus and you steal it? from IDW. Last year it was unpainted. This year someone's painted it up. Yeah, it actually transforms, which is crazy. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but I went up to it. I put Wildor's hat on it. Yeah, and got a photo for the yeah. con. Yeah, and then just as I was reaching to take the hat off, I saw the sign next to it. It said, "Do not touch Rodimus. He is fragile, much like his ego." I think. That- and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> am I in trouble?" No. Ooh. I tweeted it out. Spent the night worrying that I might get in trouble with Dave Wallace, the organiser. Did organizer. you actually genuinely think you were getting in trouble? Well, it said do not touch, and I touched Dad, it. Clearly, Dad. I put the hat on it. Anyway, the next the day, the guy... The world you live in. The guy I, who made it tweeted out the picture himself. So, I guess I'm off the hook. It's fine. Like, you're not going to get in trouble, mate. Am I getting in trouble? You're not going to get then in I trouble. tell me off. Mate. And then I won't be able to buy a taco mate, tank. the adorable world you live in. It's very it's sweet. Tank. He's got a motorbike inside It's a very inside sweet world that you inhabit if you think that you're going to get in trouble for this stuff. Um, no, you're not getting in trouble. Look mate. at that! How cool is that? Look at that! It's a bike. Apparently, this um, taco tank might have originally been designed for the Microman line because apparently Microman figures fit in this a lot better than the Transformer that comes with it does. Hmm. Uh, uh, but anyway, um, who knows? Who knows? That's the base mode. This rotates. Oh, cool. Um, I got a boxed Classics Mirage or well, Universe Mirage. Yeah. Not Mirage. Drag strip. It's a repaint of Mirage. Um. Everyone keeps going on about that mould. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get that. It's 15 quid for a box one. Transformers Collector's Club exclusive. Yeah. It's not bad. Got quite a few figures. I completed my Trigger Bots and Trigger Cons collection. I got the free I needed. Nice, nice. So that's my one of my goals for the year, to complete a G1 subline. I think next year I'm going to go for um, one of each of the triple changes from okay, cool. Power the Primes. Yeah. I can't remember. I've got two of them. Okay, cool. I got tempted to buy seconds of some figures, though. I put it off. There was a really nice Titans Return Hot Rod Japanese one boxed on one of the tables for like 55 quid. And it's like transparent red plastic and it comes with his target master. I almost brought that, but I thought, nah. Um, they had a <laughs> they had on one of the tables, they said it for 20 quid, a bit much, but it's like a famous bad like Brazilian knockoff of Sunstreaker where it's just this big chunky hollow plastic and he's got like this bad, like, red head with, like, yellow unpainted plastic and all this crap. Um, one of the tables had that. That was tempting, but not for 20 quid. But it was a good time. Yeah, bumped into people, chatted to people. Uh, you know. Got a new t-shirt? Yeah. 
from Luke and Tees. People should go check out Luke and Tees. Cool. Loads of people were wearing his t-shirt. The Dynamo Island one I got last year. No. The one that I've washed so much that it's faded away quite it's a lot. The one, the one that's got the Jurassic Park oh, robots. The schematic. No, the Jurassic Park robots being chased by um, Grimlock. Okay, yeah. The Jurassic Park one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, loads of people were wearing that this year. That must have done the rounds. Like, even the new version he did with the green. <clears throat> it was on green. But, um, yeah, it's good, good, good show. Cool. All right, it's my review. Maybe. Oh, you just what are you reviewing that? What? My first review this week is oh, going to be go is, is going to be the horror movie Talk to Me. I saw this at the Scream Unseen a couple of weeks ago. Um, That's the one by those YouTubers. Yeah, by Raka Raka. I don't know yeah. who they are. No, I had never heard of them. I'm not a big online person. Australians aren't they? Australians or English? I can't remember which. We've got to not yeah. encourage them. I think they're Australian. But anyway, Talk to Me is an Australian horror film. Really, really simple concept. It's basically um, a drugs metaphor, but instead of them having a drug, it's a hand. And what you do is you take your, you take it. It's just like it's like a porcelain hand that's like got a heavy base. It's tilted like you can, like you can, you can shake it. But it's like a just a porcelain hand thing. And so what these kids Didn't do? You do this last time. No. No, I didn't. No, wait. No, 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 no. Don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. There was something about did. a bunch of people. Yeah, they cloned Tyrone. No, you you did something about a bunch of people who were in some place. No, wait. No, no, I didn't. Okay. Um. So, yeah, so basically they, they take hold of the hand and they say, talk to me. Hmm. And then a dead person appears in front of them, like a ghost appears in front of them, but only they can see it. Right. And then what they do is they say... I let you in and the ghost possesses their body and whilst they're holding their hand they're essentially like funneling the ghost in this world they're like being like a clairvoyant like a what's the fucking word I'm looking like for Derek Akora. like Derek Akora like Derek Akora does now because he's dead he goes in people's bodies yes we don't know one's tried to contact him because he's on the phone all the time to his mates he's catching up with all the dead people have you ever watched the Limmy videos of the fake yes, so it's yeah. fucking hilarious but anyway so anyway <laughs> So, so basically these kids are doing this and they're like filming themselves for social media and it all just starts getting a bit out of hand. It's like, it, again, it's a drugs metaphor. So like the kids are addicted to like, like the feeling of whatever the feeling is when these dead bodies take them over, it seems to be a pleasant experience for the, for the vessel. Hmm. Like it's almost like, um, some people were saying that they think it's because it, it releases like, you know, when you die, apparently serotonin is just poured into your body yeah and apparently it's a similar effect to that some people have, have come like said and other people it's like a euphoric high like where you're not in control of your body it's just like an insane feeling but anyway as you can expect probably not if you get hit by a car as you can expect there are rules to this so it's they strap you down to make sure you don't wander off alright you take the hand and after 90 seconds they have to blow out the candle and take the hand off of you and that's it any longer than that and the spirits sort of linger Okay, and so they're doing it, and there's a little kid that's there. He's about 14. All these other kids are about 16, 17, 18. They're not old, old. They're just like teenagers, right? And this this younger kid, this 14-year-old's like, can I try it? Because he's there with his mates. He's trying to, like, big himself up. He's trying to look cool. And his sister goes, don't let him do it. I'm not doing it. This is fucking stupid. Why are we doing this? And she walks out. And then his, like, sort of semi-adopted sister, who's this girl that is, like, our protagonist, sort of, she's she's recently lost her mum in very strange circumstances, 
She doesn't think it was suicide, but the way that even she describes it, it sounds like suicide. She says like, oh, my mum took a bunch of sleeping pills by accident. She trapped herself in the bathroom. She fell against the door and no one could get in to help her in time to revive her. It just sounds like she sueed. But like, anyway, so the dad, the dad reveals to the daughter later on in the film, there was a note. So it was suicide. But this girl is obsessed with the idea that her mum didn't want to die. And so this little boy goes to do the hand, and who does he see but her dead mum. And she's like, I miss you. And the girl, because she's like really sort of drawn in by this spirit, she doesn't stop it after 90 seconds. She keeps it going. And the kid, his body, it's just like an immune response. His body just rejects this fucking ghost. So he starts slamming his head into the fucking table repeatedly really busts up his face. They try and take the hand off of him and the spirit yanks him, yanks him along because it can physically move you almost like a poltergeist. Mm. So it can like toss your body around a little bit. And so this ghost fucking slams this kid's, slams this kid's body away from, away from these people trying to take the hand away and smacks the head against this fucking stone chimney, smacks it again. One of its arms comes free. It grabs the eye and digs this, like, this kid's fingers into his own eye and starts trying to pull the eye out, and they manage to get the fucking hand away from it as it's doing this, and then just, kid's just comatose. He's just fucked. And for the rest of the movie, he's in a hospital bed. And this girl is stricken with even more grief. She's reacting even worse to this. She started to see spirits, because maybe she had a couple of seconds extra on the first time she tried it. Like, there's all this shit and it just escalates and escalates and escalates. And as I say, it's all metaphors for drugs. You know, the kid does drugs the first time, OD, suffers because of it. Like, it's meant to be a safe environment. There's meant to be these people keeping him safe. They don't. And at the same time, they continue doing drugs under the, you know, the pretense that it's somehow helping them get through their life. And it's just not. It's back and, in my day, we just sniffed glue. It was pretty safe. Do you ever sniff glue? We tried Prit sticks. They don't. It turns out they don't work. No. But when you're 12, you think they do. And then you think it's cool. Don't do drugs, guys. You know when you get those kids and you no... give them a non-alcoholic drink and they start acting drunk because they think that's... I can tell you from experience, there's no great drugs. Cocodamo? It's pretty good. No, no, like, I mean like non-medical uh... drugs. Like like the drugs you can get. Like probably, um... probably the nicest experience I've had on anything has been marijuana because that's pretty low-key. Alcohol? Alcohol, no. Alcohol's had a bad... I've got a bad history of alcohol. <laughs> Not got the best of relationships with me and alcohol. Uh, mushrooms I haven't had any terrible situations with acid was never a good thing for me the only acid I get is when I almost throw up in my sleep reflux when you have too many apples or too much apple juice you around? I had the other week the main oh thing. for fuck's sake I, mean, I had to run out of bed in, in like 4 o'clock in the morning it's your shit just, no I like suddenly I woke up really you quickly vomit. going like that oh, God. but it just it kind of went back down but it burned my throat oh god what did I eat? anyway talk to me um if you're, no, it's if, your turn to talk. If you're tired of these sort of like drug metaphor horror movies, I think that this one still deserves a little bit of your attention because there is there is something there. These guys, like the energy behind it, the fact that it is... It's another one of those low-budget horror movies that comes out of nowhere and has a lot behind it and a lot of really good ideas. I just think they could have maybe done a bit more with the concept. I think teenagers and drugs metaphors, whilst it works for like... Because Raka Raka, when you watch their videos, they are very much like, they're like, they started when they were teens. They've still got a bit of a childish, childish feeling to them. Like, they're still like, like young adult sort of feeling. But they're both adults. And like, this concept, I think, could have been played really well in a much more sinister way. If you took that idea of guilt, and the idea of guilt being a gateway, and made this like, sort of a thing where you're like... Well, a bit like Hellraiser. 
No, not like Hellraiser. The no, Hellraiser remake. Not like Hellraiser. More metaphor. like no, not not the Hellraiser. Again, I'm tired of drugs metaphors. But you do it like a grief exploitation thing. So you take it to places where people are grieving. Grief exploitation. Grief exploitation. You take it to places where like, like grief support groups and things like that, and you introduce it there. And you or, say to these people, do you want to talk to your family? Do you want to talk to your loved ones? I can give you this for 90 seconds. It turns out they're exploiting these people. And then eventually they they get caught up on and like someone's like, no, you're going to let me do this and talk to my daughter for longer, forcing like the ghosts in. But instead of them haunting the person who's made them do this, it haunts the person with the hand. And it just like escalates in that way. Because in this one, like as much as I like this film and as much as the ending stuck with me, and I'm not going to ruin it here because I feel like it is open to interpretation. A lot of people are probably going to take it and, you know, have a different idea to what I felt. But, but like the ending to this is fucking great. I just wish the build-up was maybe a bit less formulaic. You know? Because, again, drugs metaphors, a bit tired. Turns but, out the hand was a left hand all along. No, no, no. So, oh. the origins of the hand are kind of explained, but oh. they're, like, explained in, like, a way where it's like, oh, I got told it was this, but no one really knows. So, apparently, the hand is, like, um, a petrified hand of, a like, a necromancer or some weird fucking, like, clairvoyant from ages ago. And Derek Akora. Yeah, Derek Akora. And it's, it's like specifically one, one side. And then at the end, there's a revelation that, that like there's another group doing it. Wait, there's a left, there's a left hand. And I think there's a left hand and a oh, right shit. hand. No, you don't want to go near the left hand. And the left hand's in Brazil from the looks of yeah. things. <laughs> but yeah, like it's, it, the way that it like. When and you get to the f- like fifth film or something, it's like a dig. One of the weird things is like, well, no, because I think that the idea is that any clairvoyant could have yeah. their hands chopped off and create one of these things. Yeah. But it's just it's getting grabbing a big old chain. When they when, <laughs> when they pull the thing out and they put it on the table, you can see it's like properly covered in graffiti where it's gone between all these groups of kids. Because mm. initially, like you see someone who's had the effects of it fucking their mind up, and like the opening scene is a drugs metaphor again. It's a, a brother is coming into this house party. He's like, "Where's my brother? Where's my brother?" It's like. He's in the back room, he's had too much, that he's just like fucking lying down, he's chilling out, he's like, okay. And he goes to the back and he just fucking kicks the door in and his brother's there like fucking skinny, emaciated, he's like unresponsive. He starts taking him out of the house. He puts him near like a kitchen island and he goes out, and this is all like a one-up, so it's all staged like a one-up for this party. He goes out quickly to go and try and call like an ambulance or call someone and then the brother that's like drugged out goes over to the kitchen table, goes to a knife block, pulls out a big knife, slices someone, the whole fucking party goes, starts going insane, and then goes outside, sees his brother, his brother turns around whilst he's on the phone because he's hearing all the commotion, and just gets a gut full of this knife, and then the guy just, like, sort of fucking slits his own throat, and you're like, okay. So, like, already you, you get an idea, like, something's going on here, something's manipulating this kid, and there is, like, hints to that, and there's, like, are these actually the people they say they are? police officers that complain about these kids all being hocked up on goofballs? Oh, fentanyl. 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 Because if you touch fentanyl, you get high. Have you not seen the police? You having... just have to be within metres of it. Yeah. I've seen the police. They're very weak to fentanyl. <laughs> it's like they're kryptonite. Yeah. Like, who made fentanyl? Um, but yeah, talk to me. Really good film. Really, really strong. Really interesting. But I just... It's another one of those ones where, like, I think... I think that having seen a lot of low-budget horror movies and a lot of these, like, drugs metaphor films and, like, it's been around since vampires and zombies and all that shit, like, it's just... It's another reframing of that. And even, like, The Exorcist, the original Exorcist, is like, she's a single mum, she's got a kid, and she does drugs, and she might be sleeping around, and she's paying for it with her daughter's life. 
And like and like it's all that shit. Like it's always like linked to hedonistic life and drugs and all this stuff. And I just think that maybe if they had done something where it's manipulating people that are grieving, manipulating already weak and and and, and sort of broken people, that's a bit more interesting than being like, hey, look, it's these young kids that are going through a difficult time and they just start doing a bit of weed. Now they're on heroin. Now they're on cocaine. Now they're ghosts. And it's just like ugh, ugh. But oh, yeah, I wish still I was ghosts. But Kate Blanchett. It's a Cape Blanchett. It's She's fucking it. good. She's not in it, but it's fucking good. And like the impact and, and the way that things work and the way that like certain scenes hit, like when I was saying about that kid with the eye, the sound of that fucking, <sighs> like the wet squishing and then the, <laughs> as it goes back in his skull, cause it just retracts back in. Cause it like lets go. It's fucking gross, but great. That's not what sound your eye makes when it goes back into your There's skull. There's so much blood. It's this. Ah! I could do it. I could just put my no, finger down the side. No, don't, don't. You're not Dan I'm getting like a black dot you're down here. You're not Dan Aykroyd in the Twilight Zone. Stop playing with your eye. Come on, your review, Ant. Fucking get on with it. I'm going to put my eye out. Look, come on. No one ever lets me pop the my eye out. The Continental from the world of John Wick will be out by the time you've done your next review. The Continental? What, the TV show? The one with Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson? Yeah. He's in it. Oh, God. Um, I finished Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, how'd that go? The whole Star Trek Voyager's finished. Season what, seven, I've I've watched all of Star Trek. It's not all of Star Trek. It's, it is. Pretty, I mean, I've I've watched it all. Do you know I knew exactly how many episodes of Star Trek there was? How many? Someone asked me. It's eight hundred ninety-two. Someone asked me. <laughs> I knew exactly how many. I I was like, I think I'm right. It was last week, so it was eight hundred ninety-one last week. And I went, I'm gonna have to Google that, and I was right. That's worrying. Um, but anyway, Star Trek Voyager season seven. They're on their way home. Good for them. Um, isn't that great? So last season, so it's probably the best time to make sure you get all the stories out of the way that you really want to do for the last season. Um, You've got all sorts of stuff to build up to, all sorts of stories to tell. They basically bring back a whole bunch of random races that appeared earlier, apart from the Kazon. (coughs) Kazon can get... Actually, the Kazon do appear in a time-travelly episode, actually. There's a weird... There's a weird episode where characters are popping back and forth through time when parts of the ship end up in different timelines. It's very weird, that one. Um, but no, it's just, you know it's a solid enough end to the series. Voyager's not the best of Star Trek, even though it's got some really good stuff in it, like with Neelix and Tuvok, any time those two are, are on screen together, it is the best. Um, there's an episode where they find a Klingon ship that's been on a quest for like 30, 40 years or something, or 60 years. They don't know that the Federation and Klingons are peaceful now. So they've just been travelling out into the Delta Quadrant where they believe they were supposed to go on a pilgrimage. And they find the Voyager and they see Blana Torres on there and she's pregnant and that lines up to their pilgrimage thing that they had in mind, that there was going to be a special child, Klingon child, born in, uh, in a faraway land and yeah. all this sort of stuff. And the lead captain of the ship's just like, look, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure this is true, but we can't keep flying through space for, like, you know, forever. So I'm just going to try and make it fit this to get us through it. Mm. Um, that's quite a fun episode, that one with all the Klingons. All the Klingons are on board, taking up loads of room on the ship. Um, friggin' Neelix ends up having to bunk with Tuvok. He stays in Tuvok's quarters for a bit. Tuvok doesn't get informed of this beforehand. And he's not too happy about it. I would um, be. Although, I want to say he's not too happy about it. He's a Vulcan. So, you know. He, Is he ever happy? He, he he says it's inconvenient, 
but if it's the captain's orders, then you must do it. Um, there's a sub, there's a way the subplots tie together in this episode. One of the Klingon women has found Harry Kim attractive because he stood up to someone and told him to stop two Klingons and told him to stop fighting. So she thinks he's got a warrior spirit. Yeah. So she's stalking him all around the corridor. Meanwhile, Neelix has been studying Klingon culture so he can be a better host to them. And he decides to help Harry out by scaring this Klingon woman, by getting this Klingon woman to realise that Harry Kim's a bit of a wuss and stuff. So he makes sure when she's coming around the corridor, he starts telling Harry Kim off. And she's like, whoa, this uh, Neelix guy is kind of hot. Anyway, um, at the end of the episode, Tuvok goes back to his quarters and he can't get in because the door's been locked. And then it opens and Neelix has had the Klingon woman over and they've trashed the apartment with their their lovemaking. (laughs) Which I'm sure is a smell Tuvok's going to enjoy because Vulcans have a heightened sense of smell. Oh, do they? Yeah, they have to use suppressants so they can't smell humans so much. Oh. That's That's a thing in Star Trek. That they, that they, that they, that they do. Um, but this is a decent series. There's some fun Doctor episodes where he gets to, you know, do a bit more. There's one where he's sort of like this alien race have captured the captain and they're making the Doctor pull, like, take the identities of other people on Voyager. You know, turn himself into them with the hollow oh, okay, projector yeah. and, like, try to basically hand the warp core over to him. He does kind of have a backup plan to try and help things out, but, you know. That's an, that's an alright episode, that one. Although the Doctor doesn't seem to get any real major punishment for it. I guess he was just scared. But it's one of those things, he's programmed to not really do any harm. Mm. He can't kill anyone, he can't hurt well, anyone. Well, it's a hypocritical isn't it? Yeah, so he kind of feels like he has to follow, because he can't allow them to harm the captain. Because that's part of his program, is to protect the people on Voyager. Um, probably just to minimise his workload, really. Mm. Um well, it's a decent series. The finale is an odd one because it's um, it starts off with footage of Voyager arriving home, and then it turns out this is like thirty years in the future, um, and you find out Voyager spent like eighteen years getting home, and all the crew are older and everything. One of them's died, maybe more of them have died, and Janeway's a bit bitter and stuff. And the whole first half of the episode is. This older Janeway, it jumps back and forth in time, but the older Janeway is getting some sort of temporal thing and she's got this special ship that's all outfitted with the latest technology, this armour and all this. And she travels back in time to basically help the old Voyager crew get home sooner because they passed up an opportunity that they could have done because there was a load of Borg in this area. And she travels back in time and basically gives them everything they need to basically kick the asses of the Borg and get out and get back home quicker, mm. changing history. And there's this whole thing, because people keep saying Janeway at the end was just another corrupt admiral when this one travels back from the future. But, like, she's kind of travelling back in time to stop herself becoming that, because she's seen how it's made everyone not quite as happy and bitter. Yeah. And she wants to get them home sooner, because there's all sorts of stuff, like Tuvok's got some degenerative disease, but because they were stuck in the Delta Quadrant, they could never get it treated. Is Tuvok like, done? No, nah, no, nah, he's like he's losing his marble schizophrenia type thing. Um they couldn't get him back to Vulcan, obviously, to get it treated, and they didn't have any way of treating it there. Um, so he's all diseased, and then some way along the way, Seven of Nine died, and that made Chakotay upset because they were forcing they were forcing the Chakotay and Seven of Nine romance in this last series, um, which apparently I, I joked that it was Robert Beltran's idea, who's a scab, by the way. Um, he he doesn't agree with the strikes and he was promoting his shows and all sorts of stuff. Oh, is that that guy who played... 
It was Chakotay. Chakotay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a scab. But um, I don't think it was his idea, and it turns out it was. He wanted a romance with Seven of Nine, and the producers went, ah, sure, why not? Mm. I think he just fancied Jerry Ryan, who is actually um, partially responsible for Barack Obama becoming president. Really? Yeah, do you know that story? Oh, yeah, no, I do. I think I've heard it really before. Big, clever, big, crazy thing. To be fair, if someone's going to destabilise an entire nation um, because they're incredibly hot, it should be Jerry Ryan. Yeah. She's lovely. Still looks great. Do you know that for a fact, or are you just saying that she's lovely? She is lovely. I'm just, if she wants to okay. hang out, that'd be nice. I'd, you know. Isn't she married? I don't care. Oh my God. That's okay. Um, you know, it was, it was a decent time. Um, season no, season six has the episode where Kess comes back. I think for one episode and is really angry. I didn't like that much. Um, but no, fine season. Yeah, just, just normal stuff. The finale's all right. Um, weirdly, no epilogue on the finale. They get back to the Delta Alpha Quadrant and ships are waiting for them because they've picked up this anomaly and stuff's happening. And uh, that's just where it ends. It just ends with Janeway going, "Okay, Par- Tom." plot a course for home there's no like reconciliation between Tom Paris and his dad because that was a thing that was running through the series and there's no like finding out if the doctor's going to be able to you know keep living his life as a hologram there is an episode that hints towards it all works out fine yeah because he created a holodeck program um to depict life of a downtrodden holographic life form Mm. um which was a bit too dramatic and wasn't a very good job of hiding that it was about Voyager and he made everyone seem terrible on Voyager and someone back in the Alpha Quadrant published it before it was ready and everyone thought that the Voyager crew had been turned into monsters. <laughs> Just <laughs> um, They fixed that, but then the holographic novel went around the underground scene of holograms that are doing menial tasks. Yeah. Um because you find out that all the Doctor holograms got, all the his version of the Doctor hologram, got removed from service, and were turned into like scrubbing dilithium mines, and stuff like menial labour. Oh right. Basically, just turned into a slave race, mm. like pretty much. But they but, have sentience. But they don't really realise they do. What have sentience? No, they don't realise what the effects of having a holographic Doctor on, like constantly, for years has on a program because he's not like their idea is they're only meant to be switched on for a few minutes they're meant to help out in an emergency or something and then be switched off they're not meant to be the main caregiver but they've got the ability to learn the ability to like you know be um, empathic and stuff like that because you have to be to be a doctor good bedside manner and all that and it all builds up into making the doctor be more than he was and so a whole bunch of his guys are basically being used as slave labour back on back in the Alpha Quadrant, and it's hinted at that that'll change, there'll be a rebellion. Oh. Never mentioned again in no. Star Trek now. Of course. Um, What's going on with the Salamander kids? Uh, they all died. Oh. Yeah, they got eaten. Did they actually die, or are you just saying that? They got eaten by another race. Yeah. So you can. I feel like you're just saying it. You're not yeah. really, you don't know. No, no, it's a decent series. Oh, cool. Um, Neelix stays behind, two episodes from the end. He finds a race, of, a group of Talaxians who have travelled quite far out, and they've got a little a little colony inside an asteroid and he stays with them. There's a little bit of a sad moment where he's leaving and all the crew around clapping for him and, you know, saying goodbye. He mentions at the start of the episode that he was going to try and get Tuvok to dance eventually. And when he leaves, Tuvok makes him stop for a second or two or just his little foot waggle. 
Mm. That's about as much of a dance you're going to get out of him. Um, but no, it's good stuff. Just, just, just decent stuff. Just watch it. Yeah, now I've got to watch. Now I've finished Voyager. Fucking Spider Man, mate. I watched Spider Man. You didn't watch the Spider-Man. Japanese Spider Man show. I watched it. Oh my god! Oh my god! You... I think I'm going to watch Jetman. Because I'm 12 episodes through that, and it's taken me a long time to How get to 12 episodes. How many episodes of Jetman are there? There's like 50 odd. It's a freaking... Good fucking God, mate. Normal Super Sentai series. What are you playing around with? Stop looking at videos Just of... Playing. Just start playing. I don't know. Are you playing Are you playing the um, shorts game? No, I just pressed a thing and it brought up Instagram and there was a video playing. You play, do you know what the shorts game is that I invented? No, what is the shorts game? Um, it's when you go through shorts and you try to keep going until you find a normal one. Like, you can't... You have to just keep going because most shorts are either weirdos, lies, or um, perverts, and you just keep going till you find one that's just about something normal, which you won't. You won't. You're going to be there forever. Yeah, not find anything normal yet, man. No, it's all perverts. You look at something, it'd just be perfectly normal. And it's some girl bouncing her boobs around and shit on Facebook, and it's just there's stuff on Facebook that probably shouldn't be on Facebook in those shorts, you know. There's a video of a woman punching herself in the face. Why? Oh, that one. <laughs> How did she manage that? That's not even the one I thought it was. I've, I've, That's amazing, though, isn't it? I thought it was the one where the thing comes back and hits her. Yeah, no, she she just full-on punched herself in the face. How do you... She basically... You? She went to swing wide, and then obviously, where she was putting all the momentum into her arm, her elbow just went... <laughs> she didn't just keep her arm stretched out. She tried to curl it in. And, and you think it's okay to hit women? Well, if women are hitting themselves... Yeah. Yeah, women can do anything men can do, like beat women. Beat themselves up. <laughs> oh, God, the world's fucked. Um, is that your review, then? I guess. Would you recommend people watch Voyager Season 7? Maybe. Is it the best Voyager If you've watched season? the other six. Is it the best Voyager Season? Nah, it kind of peaks midway through. So, like, four. Yeah. For a fall. Yeah. They got Alice Craig back to play the Borg Queen in the last episode. Though. Oh, yeah. How'd that go? Even though it was explicitly said that the other Borg Queen was a different Borg Queen to the one that was in Star Trek First Contact. And so wasn't the Borg Queen just like... There's loads of them. There's only, there's only one Borg Queen at any one time. But once one's died, a new one's... Yeah, she died, place. didn't she? Yeah. Oh. She got melted. But yeah, now she's just back in the finale. Who fucking knows? All right. Um, all right, my next review is the movie that's got all the conservatives up in a tizzy. That's right, Anne. I watched Barbie, which is a film so much weirder than everyone's been saying it is, and the marketing is letting you know, but in the best possible way. It's a really fun movie, Ant. Maybe it's not that weird. Maybe you're weird. No, no, no. It is a very odd movie. Like, so take... So Noah, Noah Bumbach wrote this with his wife, Greta Gerwig. Yeah. Bumbag. Bumbag. And no, no, Bumbag. Uh, Baumbag. Baumbag. Fuck's sake. He's, in my mind, I, I know him best for Squid and the Whale, which is a very odd film about divorce and the complicated issues around, like, fidelity and, and what happens to a family when, you know, people start, you know, cheating on each other. Barbie's not about any of that, though. Yeah. Barbie is the story of a, of a Barbie living in Barbie world where every Barbie is essentially being played with by a real person. Is she a Barbie girl living in a Barbie world? She's stereotypical Barbie. She's yeah. the Barbie you think of when you think of Barbie. And basically she starts thinking about her own mortality. Mm-hmm. And then she starts getting cellulite. Oh, nice. And basically crazy Barbie or weird Barbie played by Kate McKinnon goes, hey, you know what? 
you need to go to the people world and you need to go find out what's going on with a girl that's playing with you because she's obviously not having a great time. And so she goes to the real world. She goes to see the girl who's playing with her and what's happening and why it's happening. And eventually it becomes about independence and, and you know, gaining sentience and life and finding your path and knowing what you are and finding out what you are and finding out what that means. You know, the complications that come with being human, the complications that come with being in the real world. And it's really fucking funny. There are so many really decent jokes in this. And like, even just, even just really stupid lines. Like, there's a moment where someone calls Barbie a fascist. And she's like, she's like, I don't run the railways. And like, I was like, oh, that's a nice little, that's a nice little weird joke. There you go. You get it? What's her face? What's going on here? Um, also, also, there's a great one where she's like, she goes into the real world and obviously she's used to being in Barbie world where women, Barbie does everything. Mm. Like, Barbie is like every occupation. And she goes up to a construction place and she's like, she's like, oh, this is where I'll get some female energy, some female positivity. And they really start like being like, oh, I'd love to get up, get up inside your positive female energy, if you know what I mean. And she's like, that sounds like a double entendre. And, uh, and I just want to make you aware. I don't have a vagina. I don't have genitals. And then she walks off. And then Kenzo only goes, just so you guys know, I have all the genitals. And then just walks off with her. Like, Ken in this is is like a very dopey dude who his one thing in life is that he's in a relationship. And it's like any fucking, any utter twat who has one thing in life. They don't really have like an actual personality. They make their personality into a thing. And so the joke is that he has no personality. So when he finds out in the real world that men basically run everything, they run it poorly, but they run everything. And he's like, ah, I could take power. So he goes back to Barbie land with the idea of patriarchy and some books that he steals from the library. And he uses those to basically turn all the Barbies into submissive, like, people. And, like, he creates all these terrible, like, he takes... Ken's the villain. He's not really a villain. That's kind of the problem. Like, Ken isn't a villain. He's a really pathetic guy that has one thing about his personality. And when Barbie starts, like, branching out and experiencing the world, he has a crisis. And instead of him being like, I'm going to become more than I am, he goes, I'm going to make everything shaped around me. And then I won't need more interests. And, like, he, sh- he, it's just, it's fucking hilarious. The stuff that he takes as being part of the patriarchy. It's like horses, trucks, big, big furry coats. <laughs> <laughs> like nunchucks <laughs> drinking beers even though they don't drink there's a great scene where Barbie is in the real world and she meets someone named Ruth who's like an integral character to later on in the plot and uh, Ruth pours her a cup of tea and she goes oh thank you and she's like and she like really slowly puts up to her lips and she's like <laughs> and she goes I'm not used to there being stuff in the cups because in Barbie land they don't actually eat the food or drink water no. so they just go about their lives with like they don't have stairs in Barbie's house. She just floats down because obviously kids, when they play with Barbies, they don't go down the stairs. They take about the dream house and they put them on the... But it's just, it's it's a very, very funny film that's about losing an identity and gaining a new one. And it's about men having one thing that they are and them thinking they're the centre of the universe when in reality there's a hundred other guys exactly like them and just having something that you're into isn't a personality. Um, Ken has some fantastic lines, but, but some of my favorites are like just offhand little lines, like Barbie at the end of this big disco party. Ken's like going, oh, maybe I can stay. She's like, no, I'm having a sleepover with the girls. 
and it cuts, it like turns around, like the camera pans around to her house and there's all the women there. And then one of the women goes, hey, Barbie, even the president of the United States came. And then they just, you're welcome. <laughs> and I was like, that's fucking incredible. Um, there's a scene where Ken, where like the Barbies are trying to deprogram other Barbies. So they go, so they go to all the Kens. And they basically just get the Kens to like fight against each other, like just start a big war. And they do that by going, Hey, can you just play guitar at me for like four hours while staring awkwardly at me? And Ken's like, Of course I can. <laughs> and they're all playing the same song for like four hours. And then it transitions to the beach. And they're all by these plastic little log fires on the beach. And the camera pans out. And it starts off with just Ken and stereotypical Barbie. And then you see there's 12 other Kens doing the exact same thing, playing the exact same like song. And then there's one guy at the end who's like Black Sporty Ken, played by the guy from the new Doctor Who. And he's just playing drums <laughs> near a fire with a girl watching him play drums. Um, it's just great. It's just stupid good fun. Um, Michael Sears in this is Alan. Yeah. And he has some great lines as well. There's one... There's disabled Barbie there. What's her name? Yeah, yeah, she's in a wheelchair. Wheelchair Barbie's there. And then you've also got Midge, who's pregnant Midge. Barbie. Yeah. Yeah. But she's not called Barbie. She's actually called Midge. Yeah, she's actually called Midge. There's uh, a moment where Will Ferrell, who's like... Who got her pregnant? Be... Do you find out? Yeah, Alan. He's, Alan. He's her, her husband. Oh. So there's a moment where Will Ferrell comes into the Barbie land... And like, as he's coming out of this door, this little like magical treetop that like opens up into Barbie land, he comes through and like, Midge is like, hi there. And he goes, oh, Midge, I thought we discontinued. <laughs> like that. Like, it's a nice little, nice little joke there. Um, but yeah, like there's, um, there's just, there's just so much good shit in here. Like it's very fun. They should do a sequel where they go to Cindy world. Maybe. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be great. The and all the Americans are like, the what rivals. the fuck is Cindy? The rivals. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's not about hating men. It's nothing to do with hating men. It's just taking the piss out of people that don't have anything going. Because there's Alan, Alan who plays like Midge's husband. He's like, he, there's like a moment where he is um, in the back of a car trying to escape Kingdom because they call it the Kendom. And he's trying to escape. And he's like, he's like, the moment they realise how walls work, I'm in trouble. But right now they're just building two foot walls straight up into the sky. <laughs> they're like looking at it like, this isn't going to trap anyone. It's just like a really tall pile of bricks going up. But he gets out and he's like, he's like, okay, whilst you guys come up with a plan, I'm going to go and distract the Kens. And he just starts kicking the living fuck out of all these blokes. And the first line he says is he's going to other people. They're like, hey, who's that? And he goes, hi, my name's Alan. All Ken's clothes fit me. My clothes don't fit Ken. And he starts beating the shit out of these guys. And I was like, I was like, it's clearly like Alan's like a slightly more complicated version of the characters. Like he is like constantly going like, I hate it here. I don't understand all this patriarchy shit. I don't want a part in this. And he's like, he's like just a normal guy who's got his own interests. He's got a wife. He's not constantly like after one thing. He's just a developed human being. And he's, he's like an all right person. And he's a guy. And like, there's like a comment about the CEO. They're like, they're like, oh no, I'm the male CEO. But we had like a female CEO for Barbie. Like, when was it guys? It was like 96. Then we had, we had another one like a year after that or something. But yeah. I don't see the problem with this. All these guys being the CEOs of Barbie. What's wrong with that? Um, Ken has a great line. Like uh, he goes into the real world and he's like, he goes up to this business guy and he's like, "I'd like a job, please." And the guy's like, "Oh, you got like an MBA or like a degree or anything like that?" And he goes, "He goes, no, not anything like that. I'm a man. Just give me a job." And he's like, "He's like, 
Well, you kind of need those things as like a stepping stone into this business. It sounds like you guys aren't, aren't really doing patriarchy properly. And the guy just goes, turns to him and goes, oh, actually, we're doing patriarchy real good. We're just uh, really sly about it. <laughs> like that. And I was like, it's so fucking brilliant. Um, but yeah, just a really good time. One of the other things as well is like, this is probably only the second film I've been to in my entire life that has been completely packed out every fucking week. Mm. Like, we got tickets... So this has been out for, like, what, three weeks at this point? Yeah, something like that. We got tickets on August 5th, so, like, seven days ago. We got tickets August 5th to go see this. Completely booked out big cinema in the Odeon. Like, every seat filled. Everybody all wearing, like, pink shit, like, all in there really into it. And it's just great. Fucking incredible. And when I say weird... Like, it does get really fucking weird. Like, the whole point is Barbie trying to find an identity and her being scared of being anything other than stereotypical Barbie. And then, like, she does... She's, like, she's like maybe sentient. And they're like, yeah, you could do that. You could just become human. And, like, there's, like... there's He's sentient Barbie. There's weird transition... Like, there's weird transition shots where she's like, what do I, what do I become? How do I do this? And they're like, you just think about, like... And it's, like, videos of kids playing with Barbies. And then there's, like a shot where it's like silhouettes of leaves blowing and then she goes into like there's a void that's like heaven and she's talking to Ruth played by fucking um, Danny DeVito's wife Rhea Perlman yeah um, and that's Ruth's meant to be the original designer of Barbie and she's like I look nothing like Barbie no one looks like Barbie Barbie wasn't meant to be like a human it's a doll it's a toy you know no one looks like those figures that they had of like fucking like you know wrestlers and stuff even the wrestlers didn't I look like figures. the wrestler figures but yeah it's just it was a really interesting it's so weird that people are feeling threatened by this like I I don't really understand why they're people are fragile people they are really fucking fragile like I think that Did the, the Ben Shapiro's 43 minutes yeah 43 minutes did it actually stick did anyone take the piss out of him it seemed like everyone was taking the piss out of him it, that's literally it. I have noticed that on a lot of the right wing nut of things that even the blue check marks are taking, taking the piss, the piss. Out of them. like the problem is I think that if you watch this and you go you go oh they're attacking me as a man and you're really associating with a guy that just watches horses running in a field likes trucks and beer and has no personality whatsoever I think you're probably the problem more than Anything else? Like, you shouldn't associate with Ken. Like, that's kind of the point. Ken isn't a person in this. Like, he's not. Because he was always an accessory in the toy line. That's kind of the joke. And by the end of this, like like I said, he's not a villain. He's not really a villain. He's like an antagonist briefly. But in reality, he's not. He's just lost and sad. Mm. And once they, once it gets to the point where Barbie says, like, it can be Barbie and then it can be Ken. Like, it doesn't need to be Barbie and Ken. It could be Barbie and there can be Ken. Like, you get it? And he's like, yeah. And that's when the Ken enough, the meme, like, Ken I'm enough. Ken enough. Ken enough. Ken enough. As in, like, he is enough. Like, he can be him. And, like, he does develop as a person. And him being dopey is fucking hilarious. But, like, at the same time, like, you know, him being a human being. And they treat him with sympathy. He's not treated like a out-and-out villain. Like, when it comes to the patriarchy shit, when they take over Barbie land, it's not a case of them, like, the women are just like, God, what the fuck was going on for a brief moment there? Like, why was I so interested in, like, nothing? There's a great scene where one of the women goes up to Ken whilst they're watching The Godfather, and she goes, is this The Godfather? And he's like, yeah, have you seen The Godfather? She's like, no, I've never seen The Godfather. Can you restart and talk over the whole thing for me? 
And I was like, that's great. That's uh, actually some people. So fantastic. Well done. Um, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this another Cape Blanchett. It's not perfect. I think that the weirdness that's there, they don't play, it's not like fun enough with it, but when it is fun, it's so fucking funny. And it's like genuinely funny. Like John Cena's in it. He plays a mermaid Ken. And there's like a mermaid Barbie. And Mermaid Ken has like this incredible, like incredible hair. And then the Mermaid Barbie, I don't know if you ever saw that doll, has like the cheapest, like, like pink hair. It's just like the cheapest wig ever. And there's people complaining, going, like, why does her wig look so cheap? It's like, that's what the Barbie looked like. Like, Ken had this molded. That's the joke. Hair. Yeah. Ken had like, this molded mane, and she just had like this terrible wig. But yeah, it's really funny. Um, really, really good. Really, really good film. And shot beautifully. Like, fucking insanely good. Yeah. There's, like, sequences where they're, like, riding bikes through, like, 2D environments to transition from the Barbie world to the real world. Uh, just beautiful, like, bright, massive. Like, Greta Gerwig's a good director. She always has been, like... But this is her with, like, a massive budget, and she's just killed it. Like, people fucking love this film. Maybe she'll get to direct a Marvel now. Yeah. And also, <laughs> one of the funny things about this is there was an article I read that was, like, where it's, like, women are realising their boyfriends are kind of shit after watching Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that probably would would do it if you've got a shit boyfriend. Like, can you imagine being the type of guy who's just like, yeah, I, I sort of lost interest in the patriarchy ever. I didn't realise it was about, it wasn't about horses. That's what, that's what the Ken lights was. It's like, yeah, you know what? I really started losing interest in the patriarchy after I found out it wasn't just about horses. Because they nail TVs all over the dream houses. Like, they've got an indoor TV. And then on the outside of the dream house, they've got random TVs everywhere. They're just playing horses running. <laughs> like, and they've got satellite dishes. That's that they, normal. They've got satellite dishes they've erected. But they're so stupid. They, like, take that as an image of manliness. And they've got, like, a satellite dish on a satellite dish. Sandwiched, just like it's just like shit, just thrown everywhere. Like this is what men do. This is men stuff. Yeah, it's just fucking great. Are you looking forward to the extended um, Mattel cinematic universe? No, I'm not. They they want to do a film about magic eight balls. Although that Barney, the A24 Barney with Daniel Kaluuya sounds good. Kaluuya, he's doing a Barney film. Barney, yeah, a horror movie. That's not going to be Barney. It's going to be something else. Daniel Kaluuya's doing it. Kaluuya? 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 That's going to be like Death to Smoochie. It'll yeah, be a, it'll be like Death to That's not a Barney film then. There was a no. Barney movie anyway. Yeah, there was. Yeah, like yeah, on an adventure. Years ago. Whatever happened to Bear in the Big Blue House? Is that guy a pedo? Maybe, I don't know. I like that show. Do you remember when, for years, we thought... Um, Barney was a pedo. Oscar the Grouch was living in a trash can... And we should be sad for him because he's homeless. Yeah. But then the trash can turns out to be a portal to an entirely different world and stuff. Yeah. What son of a bitch. Um, Did you ever see the Comtown thing about Elmo and the brownstone and like Elmo buying a brownstone after? Because you know there's like that brown, that that brown. There's a black family that lives there in a brownstone. Like they've got like a really nice house on Sesame Street. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Basically, the concept is that like those guys, uh, because the recession lost their house and Elmo bought it. And it was just like a really passive aggressive liberal person who's like, just because I want to defund the police doesn't mean I won't call them on you. <laughs> well, Elmo, I've got in a bit of trouble because after selling the brownstone to put my mom in a, in a home because she's, you know, she's very sick. She's, she's got dementia. Um, and they abused her, Elmo, and I can't get any of the money back that I paid that house, that place to look after her. So I just have to leave her there and continue to get abused. And then I got arrested because I was yelling on the phone at the people abusing my mother. 
<laughs> it was like, oh, that's real sad, Gordon. Anyway, I've got to go to the skate park to go and give a girl HPV. <laughs> it's like, it like, I'm a photographer for Vice. Oh, anyway, and your review. I enjoyed that part myself. Anyway, your review, Ed. What were the other Mattel movies? That I don't said? fucking know review of it. They announced a whole bunch of I them. I don't give a shit. I do not give a shit. No fucking... I do not give a shit. The Rubik's mu- movie. Yeah, I want a Rubik's Cube movie. Yeah, great. Go on. They could do a sequel to Cube. Yeah. Go on, go on, mate. No, it was the Cube. Keep movie. going, keep going. Dig up. Uh, do you remember Hasbro said they were going to do a big cinematic no. universe? No, I don't, mate. You Years know why? Ago. You know why I don't? Because I don't care. Well, they, they were going to do it after G.I. Joe, weren't they? Were they? Yeah. Well, now they're doing it. Now we've had three G.I. Joe now films. Now they're doing it. Are they, they, though? Will they, though? Yeah. Will they? Yeah. Will they? Because uh, that film was so popular, the one you liked. But will they do a Centurions movie? Or no. Visionaries? No. Knights of the Magical no, Light? No, have got fucking... What was it? They what got about that? Brave Star? Didn't a load of people like get really bad eyes because of something like that? What? They had someone go fuck up their eyes because of something like that. I think that's the 3DS. This is it the 3DS? Yeah, yeah. Mess up kids' eyes. They're all cross-eyed now. <laughs> all kids are. Great. Great. Right. I should review... Yeah, go. Japanese show. What? Keitai Sosakan 7. Fantastic. It's a show created by Takashi Miike and oh, a bunch you, of other people. You don't say. Friggin' about a kid called Keita. Yeah. Who he witnesses some crazy goings on. He sees a guy. He's got a little robotic... Cell phone, little cell phone, turns into a little robot thing, walks around and stuff, and he witnesses him being attacked by a big um, robotic machinery vehicle. Mm. This is a world where there's like, you don't see it too often, but there's robotic machinery that builds stuff and things like that. There's It's it's common for some sort of robotic stuff to be around, but you don't see it too often, it's in the background. Um, but this guy, this agent who's got this phone, gets killed, he gets injured severely, and he's in, he's, you know... He's dying, he's injured and stuff. But he asks Kata to help him out because he sees something special in this kid. This school kid called Kata. Hmm. He's like, maybe you can go solve this. Someone has to and he's too injured. He can't. He tries to climb out of the bed and collapses on the floor and he's like got injured ribs and punctured lungs and all this shit. Yeah. Um, and Kata ends up like going out, solving the crime. The guy who was helping dies. And Kata's like, you know what? I want to do this. I want you to join this organisation called Under Anchor with the little robotic cell phones. Yeah. The two agents. Yeah. Because all the other agents had their phones damaged at some point and you find out how that happened later. And they're going to go stop cyber crimes, which for the first half of the series are being committed by a phone that used to be part of the group. The phones are called Phone Bravers. They're being committed by Zero One, who's had a lot of tragedy. He's had partners, they're called Buddies, and his buddies have died multiple times. He's gone through like three of them. And he's sort of like, because the phones are self-aware, they've got conscience, mm-hmm. they, they can think and learn and all this sort of stuff. Okay. They're becoming more human all the time. That's the point of the show. Um, and Zero One's gone a bit crazy from it. And so he's going out and he's finding people who resonate with him, where he says that your heart has rung true to me. And they're all crazies. They're all people who have some sort of grudge against society because Zero One's upset. He's angry at society and he wants to f- lash out and his face has all got, like, red tears coming down from his eyes on his screen. His so screen's... does he die? He's just upset and sad. But he's got it's red miserable. tears. Yeah, it's like meant to be, like, crying, isn't it? Like, blood's crying from his eyes because he's miserable. Why's blood crying from his eyes? Like, well, it's, tears. it's on screen. It's all diamonds and stuff. It's all made up of shapes. But, um, 
yeah, he, he, they, their main thing for the first half of the series is trying to deal with this guy and stop him from giving people incredible amounts of power and letting them do crazy things. It's got like a bit of a tokusatsu show format for a lot of it. It is very much like the villain this week is hacking like sound waves and making people pass out from firing sound blasts out of speakers, like hacking into speakers around the city and blasting sound at people and messing up their day. Yeah. Um, things like that. You know, hacking into systems and shutting off, um, you know, taking control of machinery and things like that. And you know, the first half of the series is very much that format, but it all builds up to this mid-season finale where Zero One gets Cater's phone, Seven, who's the main one, and kidnaps him and straps him up and they're going to do all sorts of bad stuff. And they're going to destroy stuff and kill Cater and all this sort of thing. And it turns out there's this other guy who's been working with Zero Seven called Magius. Magius? Magius. Um, and he's got some vision for these phones. He sees something in the future that he wants to make happen. Um, sort of basically he believes that AI is going to take over and he wants to accelerate it. He wants to basically make AI kill the humans and take over. But why does he want to do that? Because he's crazy. What made him crazy, yeah? Being a crazy cunt, that's what made him crazy. Did his phone get him? Was no. His phone? No, I think he was turned down for the under-anchor job at some point. And it upset him a bunch. So rejection did this. He wanted too. some sort of revenge. What a loser. But it possibly because he wanted to get into there so he could make this happen. Oh right. Um But it's a great show. It's full of really fun characters and just Name one. Kater for a start, the main character. Okay. And Toko. I quite like Toko. She's a sort of like she's one of the agents, but she can't go out on missions because she hasn't got a braver anymore. What about Razor? What? Toko and Razor? No. Oh. Toko. But um, she's a bit of a crazy person. She keeps getting boyfriends and ruining their lives. Um, she's crazy because she keeps getting boyfriends. Not just that. There's all sorts of stuff. Everyone's she's terrified. crazy because she keeps getting boyfriends. No, she gets like attention are you, from are men. You, are you actually sludging? She gets attention from men. There's one episode where... Um, That's her fault, is it? This guy who believes himself to be a comedic genius yeah. is going to win her heart. And he keeps bothering her and he's basically stalking her. This it's pretty familiar. bad. This sounds familiar. It sounds bad. Sounds like sounds like my dating life. And but I don't fucking know what I'm doing anymore. Right, so there's friggin' I'm having a crisis out. Oh, good. But anyway, yeah, she's a bit following this guy. This guy's following her around everywhere. Is that a Silent Bomber the Konami game? It's not Konami. Oh, maybe System Three. This guy's following her around everywhere. Kater's going to help her get rid of him. Zero <laughs> One kind of gets involved a little bit because at this point in the series. Zero One's actually become a bit of a good guy. Oh, okay. Good for him. Yeah. He's, ref- he's like, rehabbing himself, as it oh, were. good. Good job. Um, and the guy says that he's going to make her laugh. If he can make her laugh, she says, she says, if you can make me laugh once with your weird comedy skits that you keep trying to do, because he keeps doing all these weird comedy skits, she'll, she'll start going out of him. And he spends hours in a park doing bad joke after bad joke to try and, you know, get so her to love him. Two bad jokes. Just loads of them, hundreds in sequence, and it's getting sad. And then eventually, he does one that makes her laugh, and I guess they're going out of each other now. No, you never find out what happens after that. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's just a weird show. There's like a two-part episode in the middle, directed by uh, a guy who did an anime, not Neon Genesis Evangelion. He did another one. But it's a, one of the big anime directors. Fucking can't remember. Oh, okay. Might, yeah. be the, might be the guy who did Akira. Can't remember. Um, but it's a two-parter where um, Kater's gone off on holiday. He's gone off to a, a, a mountain area, 
like a town out in the middle of nowhere. And he left his phone at home, left Seven at home. He's not supposed to go anywhere without his phone braver, his buddy. Um, he leaves him at home locked in the drawer and Seven's not too happy about that. Um, but he meets this older woman and she starts like acting weird. She sabotages his bike so he has to stay around. And she's like, there's something sinister about her. And it's like she's sort of like making him buy her meals and take her to hotels and stuff like that. And it's sort of like this two-part... It's like two episodes that they spend on this story that has no cyber crimes to deal with. It's just him having this weird experience on a holiday with an older woman that he starts getting... She sort of tries to lure him into a romantic situation and he keeps resisting it because he's not old enough yet. He's like 16. Mm. Um, and the whole show is about his growth as a person and his maturity and all this sort of stuff. And the, you know, that episode all builds up to him being mature enough to understand that he had something special with this little weird relationship that was going on for this weekend, but he wasn't ready to have a romantic relationship with someone or anything like that. Yeah. There's a weird accuser guy who keeps turning up in the episode. It's <laughs> pretty crazy. He keeps trying to give him man advice. Um, man advice? Yeah, just sort of like, yeah, you want to get in there. You want to go give it a go. Yeah. A woman like that, you've got to treat her right and all this. Um, gives him all these cryptic advice. But it's like two episodes they spend on this thing that has absolutely nothing to do with the rest of the series. It's like they just made a little little mini movie and chucked it in the middle of the series that was completely unrelated to the rest of it. Like, the most Seven takes part in is he calls him back up and Seven finds out some stuff about some people for him. That's it. For the whole episode. But, um, yeah, it's full of great stuff. There's a couple of Carmen Rider actors in it every now and again. Really good direction on it, especially the episodes that Takeshi Miike did. He did the first episode of the last one and a couple of bits here and there. He's producer and writer and stuff like that on it. Mm. Um, it's like, it doesn't fall into the format every week as well. It's not constantly they find a cybercrime to solve every week. Some weeks are just completely unrelated weird shite. Like there's one episode where the team suddenly come out wearing like 1950s B-movie costumes and they start saying, this is what you've been training for. And it's whole like alien invasion style. And they got this really elaborate ruse going on where they make Kater believe he's taking part in some prevention of an alien invasion yeah. from inside their underground base. And they've got, they've built like spaceships and stuff. And they got them on live readouts, and they've got the other agent who helps them out, like Fugahara. He's supposed to be flying through space, taking on aliens and stuff, and he's meant to be doing a missile command style defense thing, shooting down their bombs and everything. And it's like this whole thing, and he gets really stressed out by it. And it turns out they're just, you know, risen him because it was the last stage of his training. You wouldn't see how, how well he'd cope under an absolutely ridiculous scenario. It's a pretty fun episode. Because, you know, everyone's weird. Every now and again, there's a weird moment in it. Like, one of the characters, she's bringing one, she has to bring one of the phone accessories out. The phones have little, they're like different mobile phones that turn into things like sonic wave blasting things or chainsaws and stuff or demolition devices that hook onto them. Yeah. And they, they like put them on slowly. They like have to pick up the pieces and put them on the robot. Well, the robot picks them up and clips them on. And then they do a cool pose. <laughs> Jackson, complete. Okay, he's like, did you think that looked cool? He's like, yes. Little robots. Good guys. Um, but yeah, there's one where she just, she brings, she's got the one that makes sonic booms and she just pulls it out from her trousers, right, right from her crutch mm. and puts it on the table. And there's no one, no one bats an eyelid that she had the sonic vibration. In her crutch? In her pants. <laughs> she just reaches and grabs so it. So it's a vibrator joke. I think so, but it's just no, yeah. there's no mention to it. Um, really touching episodes as well. He's the one where he goes and 
finds out how the organization was formed by these three friends and the food they made together and he like this is the episode that shows he's matured quite a lot he's taken in the story and he's like learnt lessons from what they learned and he makes them a meal that he knows that they like this mm. red bean paste um dumpling thing that he gets for them and the episode ends with a call going out and he's like you know he's in sync with his buddy with his little cell phone seven and he's like come on buddy let's go and seven jumps up in the air and he swings around and catches him backwards and walks out and the three guys who run the organization ah oh, shit we've got a good agent here this guy's like he's listening to everything he's taking in details he's learning how to solve problems and all this sort of stuff he's in sync with his buddy they're pulling off stuff like as if it's second nature and the show does a really good job of showing him going from being this immature slacker that everyone thinks is a kid who's got no interest or anything because he's like you know, he was just completely checked out at school and all this to being someone who's like a mature proactive solving crimes being a kick-ass agent and all this sort of stuff always out of breath though every time he goes running somewhere he's out of breath but the main actor who plays him is like really good and apparently he's like quite popular and big in japan now yeah like he's grown up to be one of the the main guys how old was he when he did the series like 16 he's quite young when 16, was this 17. series made uh mid 2000s like 2006 oh, okay. 2007 something like that like the phones, the CGI for the phones for that time is pretty good. It's done by Production IG. You know, they did like Ghost in the Shell and all that sort of stuff. And um, they do really clever stuff. Like they, they put them on shiny surfaces. So you've got a reflection. So it makes them feel like they're more in the real world than normal. And quite often they'll have like a little model of the phone that they use. And the animations on their faces are actually like pre-programmed animations actually playing out on the phone. They're not just like overlaying an animation over it. It's actually in the scene. So it looks right. And all that sort of stuff. Um, they got the little transformation sequences they do as well, which is fun. Mm. They don't like being thrown, but they get thrown a lot. It happens all the time. Um, and it's kind of just a fun show. It's little things about learning and from your past and all this sort of stuff. Good, good stuff. Yeah. Lots of cool characters who you've probably seen in other Japanese shows if you watch lot, enough Japanese shows. And it's made by Takeshi Miike. You know, director of Ichi the Killer. Yeah. Phoenix Wright. The JoJo's Bizarre Adventure live action movie. Ninja Kids. Ninja Kids? <laughs> you ever seen Ninja Kids? No. It's a show he did for little film he did for little kids. It's like it proper real gross, yeah. No, no, no. No, his films aren't always real gross. They're like mostly real gross. No, not. Did I mean what was the what, Thirteen Assassins? That's no. real gross. There's loads of violence and blood. Yeah, but Phoenix Wright isn't. Yeah, but that's because it's based on a, another... He was the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure film, really. That's pretty, like, that's pretty gross. He did the Accuser film as well, didn't he? The, yeah, um, he did like, a, like a Dragon. Which needs to get a release over here. It's never going to happen, mate. It's so good. It's a really good film. Um, no. Cool. Keitai Susakan, or Investigator, Ooh. 7. Yeah. It's good stuff. Really like a cult show that people should know about. It sounds like good stuff. Um... Okay. It's got little mobile phone robots. Who doesn't love that? I guess it's my turn to review a thing. It might be, if you behave yourself. So I played through... I completed Infernax on the on the Switch. And have you heard of the game Infernax? It's like a 2D Castlevania mixed in with Legend of Zelda 2. The NES. Do you remember Legends of Zelda 2, Anne? Adventures of Link. Yeah. Legends of Zelda 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got um, it. It's a really simple, simple little game. You play as this dude going around defeating demons. You got to kill five of them to kill the big bad. As you go through it, you unlock new powers and stuff. It's got a little bit of that Castlevania feel to it. Yeah. Where you like get new weapons and new upgrades, and it means you can go to different areas. So a bit of that Metroid, Castlevania, mix them up that people like. 
There's multiple endings. There's a few little moments where you get to choose how you approach a situation. So right in the beginning, you get off a boat. You go and you find a guy who's like, help me, I've been cursed. And you're like, well, I could save him or I could kill him. Depending on what you choose to do. Start to your path to good or evil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kill him. Kill him. Yeah. Kill him. Um, But yeah, really good game. Really, really simple. Really well designed. And I I bought this because I've been wanting to play it. It was on Game Pass. I mean, normally you buy a game because you want to play it. No, no. Well, here's the the story with this one. It was on Game Pass and it was released on Game Pass day one. And I played it for a little bit on Game Pass. And for some reason, I just, I don't know what it was. I just couldn't concentrate on it. And I didn't get very far in it. And I didn't really get it. And I just like gave up. And then bought on Switch because I was like, I really want to revisit that. I don't have Game Pass right now. I didn't really want to spend, what is it, like £11? It's going up to twelve ninety nine soon, isn't it? 13 quid. I didn't want to spend money on Game Pass just to play that. I cancelled mine this month so it doesn't yeah. come out today. Because I knew what would happen if I got Game Pass to play Infernax. I'd end up downloading some other fucking game, getting distracted and not playing my Xbox for a month and have wasted £13. So I, I bought a cart. I bought the, the Switch physical copy of a game collection. It arrived... I completed Metroid before I started this, and I completed Minish Cap before I started this. So I've been trying to like complete games. It's minish, Minish. I've been trying it's to like, mini. Oh yeah, of course. I've been trying to actually like complete games before I move on to new ones. So yeah, that seems to... wacky. I don't know how seems anyone can do that. Yeah. So I completed Infernax, um, but anyway. So coming into it a year after release, I was like, I wasn't expecting a lot of new stuff, but there's tons of really cool shit they've updated this with because it's like an indie title. It's a bit. It's a bit like um, Shovel Knight, but not quite to the same degree. So with Shovel Knight, you got all those add-ons and there's like new modes and shit like that. In this, they've just released a bunch of new characters, but the way you unlock them is by putting in different names on the name select screen. But if you put like the Castlevania Symphony of Night, yeah. But if you put in if you put in the Konami code on the main screen, it turns Infernax, a game that's like a Castlevania style game, into a Contra style game. Oh, sweet! With just a run and gun. And not only is it like a Contra style game, because they released a co-op mode where two people can play at the same time, like you, you help each other, they've got a Contra co-op mode for Infernax. Sweet. It's just fucking spectacular. And then earlier this year, they released an update where if you put in Stranger on the title, you get an Ash from Evil Dead style character to play as with a shotgun oh, and a chainsaw. And just like fucking really cool little shit like that. And the game itself, it isn't long. You can probably complete it in like three, four hours if you know what you're doing. I took a long time just wandering around trying to do little quests and stuff because you do get tiny little side missions you can do. Um, but yeah, really enjoyable, really, really fun game. Really, really, um, it's slightly old school in some of the sections. So there's like a point where you can get a familiar and it doesn't tell you that that's kind of needed to progress in the game. Like other things, the night. Yeah, other things are like, other things are a bit more telltale because you can sort of see where you need a certain thing like you'll see rocks that move when you hit them but they don't break and then later on you're obviously going to get something that breaks Who made this wasn't it made by it was made by a small team I think it's only the like Studios yeah that sounds about right no it's not it's not the one I was thinking of there was a game remember Odorless and Odorless? a bunch of other games I thought it was them who made it. No, no. But but anyway, um, Infernax. You can pick this up. You, I got this cart for like £15. I think it's even cheaper now. I think you can pick it up for about 13 quid. And if you like Castlevania, if you like... Um, if you like... Even if you like Contra, because that Contra mode is actually pretty sweet. It's really good. Um, give this a go. Really fun game. Three, four hours. 
if you want to play it as one of the other characters, it completely changes up the way the game feels. And you're not losing anything by not playing as the main character. You can, like, there's a wizard character that uses mana to fire his bolts and stuff, so completely different playstyle because your main character, their mana doesn't automatically regenerate, whereas the wizard it does. And just like... Wizards. What wizards? There's a wizard. There's a guy with a big axe. There's like the shotgun Ash from Evil Dead style character. There's the... um, There's the Contra style character. Okay, so really cool. The game itself, like, it is challenging. There are, like, a lot of nice little Easter eggs. And the more you do in it, the more you unlock the the different endings that become accessible to you. So it's meant to be replayed. And I am playing for it again as the Contra style character. Um, and I'm quite a bit of a way through. But the first playthrough, I was a bit lost on just those bits where you need the familiar. It doesn't really advertise that to you. So it looks like you're meant to do a guacamole style jump and then move a couple, use a couple of moves to get over to the other side. Mm. But in actuality, you just need a familiar and it flips the switch for you. You know, I wish they'd just advertise that a little bit better. That would make it easier. But my fault, my fault, obviously. I bet there's a big sign in the game. Probably, Ant. There probably fucking is. Anyway. I'll make them patch it in. Infernax. I'm going to give it a bloody Tom Atkins. I had a great time with this. I had a really good time with this. Um, I finished it like a week ago in time for our podcast last week. We had to go to TF Nation this week, so we thought we'd put it off by a week. And I've started playing Baldur's Gate. Well, last week we didn't do it because everything I'm watching was finishing this week. And uh, (laughs) I started playing Baldur's Gate as well in that week. And my God, it's a difference in game. Yeah, but... um, It's a difference in game, man. That's a different review. Yeah, I'm not going to review that this week because it's so big. But I just wanted to say, playing Baldur's Gate on the Steam Deck, it's... Fucking nutso gonzo balls. Your, your review, Ant. Nutso. Your review, Ant. Gonzo balls. Your review, Ant. Hold on. Ant, come on, quickly. I've got a guy. Stop playing your fucking toys. That's all I've got in my come life. Come on. No, it's, that's not true. We're going to get you on some Transformers Speed Day. When I was on um, at the train station, there was a kid there. They've obviously come from the convention, and he had a yeah. 2007 barricade figure, and I was like, hey, do you want to see what I've got in my bag? And his mum was like, what the fuck? And I went, here's my tiny little barricade, because I had a little miniature version of his figure. And his, uh... And he was like, that's tiny. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, show him that. Showed him that. Yeah. Showed him my little lad. Cool. <laughs> cool. Don't get your dick out in front of kids, then. <laughs> What if it's a toy? No, 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 no. There is no, there is no what if situation in in response to what I just said. I'm saying Robin from Batman. No, because he's called Dick. Yeah, yeah. No, no. There is no if. There's no what if. There's Mm. no but. Um. Anyway, your review. If you got the animated series, Robin, it's only a three and a half inch dick. But if you get the McFarlane toys one, it's like a seven inch dick. Oh my god. Why, why do I feel like someone's going to be knocking the door and be like, swap? <laughs> Your review, Ant. Star Trek Strange New World Season 2's over. Yeah. Do you know what? Really good show. Really good show. Did you know that? Yeah. It's pretty good. Do you know what I really like with Star Trek Strange New Worlds? And I think TV, all of TV, could learn something from this. Do you know what it is? What? Bring back fucking episodes. Do you remember, Not the show with Matt LeBlanc. Episodes. Do you remember how TV shows... You used to be able to switch on the show, you'd switch on your TV, and you'd see a show on, 
and it wouldn't matter where it's in, what series it's in, what episode it is, you can just start watching it, couldn't you? It would be a story itself, a little 45-minute self-contained story. You're not like trying to figure out what part of the series it fits in or whether or not you're accidentally spoiling something you haven't got to before. Because Strange New Worlds, every single episode is its own self-contained little story. And that's really good. I miss that on television. Friggin' I'm so tired of TV shows being like, here is one massive eight-hour-long story, and if you dare miss a week, or you dare keep up, or if you can't remember what happened when the last season was on two years ago, you, 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 you've ruined it. And you know what this show does really well, as well, good as well? I haven't really thought about it, but... Um, it's fun. Okay, cool. It's fun. They're just having a fun time. They're light-hearted. They're having these space adventures. Pike's a bit of a sort of relaxed, cool dad type captain. Everyone emphasises the camaraderie of the crew as they hang out with each other. They have relationships and all this sort of stuff, especially Spock and Nurse Chapel in this series. They're... uh, their little relationship thing starts heating up, but it doesn't go so well. Well, they won't, they. Well, they do, but... um, it turns out it doesn't work out so well. Because it turns out the idea of what they wanted is different to what they actually have. Isn't it? You know? Relationships. It's a fun episode where um, Spock gets turned into a human, but he also has to complete some Vulcan marriage ritual with his fiance. Okay. And her parents turn up and... Wait, Spock gets married? Well, he's, about, he's, he's engaged, wasn't he, to that um, I don't know. woman... Who's in the first series? Um, one where they swap bodies in the first series. Oh. Um, but he has to complete this ritual, and a lot of it involves, you know, showing no emotion and holding an extremely hot cup that, you know, Vulcans can hold, but most people can't hold. Um, but he's had all his Vulcan parts removed by a, um, this weird accident, and he has to try and get through the whole ceremony, being not emotional in the slightest, um, with his fake ears on. They put fake ears on him, little rubber ears. Imagine that. Imagine having fake rubber pointy ears, eh? Um, that's a kind of fun episode. The parents are uh, um, kind of funny, especially the dad who's all like, well, this is really tasty, and the wife goes, it's not good enough. You know, it's not good enough. He's just like he's just like completely under his wife's heel, which is <laughs> <laughs> kind of fun. Um, most of the episodes are pretty light-hearted in this series, especially, I mean, I was talking about the Lower Decks crossover before. They're all that sort of pretty fun and silly episodes there's one that's like entirely about trauma from war and this whole situation where it's left a bit ambiguous whether the doctor murders this ambassador from the klingons who he knows like lied about his credentials and is actually a klingon coward who defected because he's a coward um and because he murdered all his his um soldiers and stuff like that sent them to their deaths and everything um, or just got him killed himself. Um, and that's like a really dark, grim episode that's right between the Lower Decks crossover and a musical episode. Oh, nice. Um, musical episodes are a hell of a lot of fun. I thought I was done with that I've trope. heard good things. I've heard good things. Loads of shows have done musical episodes now, thanks Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, it's that show's fault, isn't it, really? Every show feels like it has to do one eventually. I feel like there are shows before that that did musical episodes. I don't know, I can't think of any. But you remember Scrubs did one, didn't they? And yeah. Begin. I can't get to sleep. Flash did one as well, didn't it? I keep yeah. all the implications. But none of them were that good. But this one's really Zena well done. The, the Warrior Princess did it. Oh first. yeah. That's yeah. after Buffy. No, that was before Buffy. Nineteen ninety-seven. No. no, Buffy started in like ninety-four. 
No, it didn't, Anne. Yeah. Buffy the movie was 1990. Buffy the series, 98. It's not that late. I can't get to sleep. But, um, the, f- what, the musical episode, this one's quite smart. They find this weird subspace thing. And they're trying to find a way to send communications for it. Because they think if they can, they can speed up subspace communication um, across the whole quadrant and all this sort of stuff. And they try sending something simple, just some music. Like, you know, tones and all this sort of stuff. And it reverbs back, and it's like a virus that spreads from throughout the quadrant, where people just start breaking out into song when they get emotional. And the whole thing's really well plotted because they kind of they really thought about it. Like it starts off with really nineteen sixties and fifties sounding songs, so it feels it fits in with the whole retro aesthetic that the show's got going on at times. And then gradually, as it goes on, the songs get more modern sounding until they end up as like being pretty modern, like pop musical songs towards the end. Um, and they have this whole thing where they realise there's like a a resonance that happens when they sing. And if they can get this resonance to reach the right level, then they can close down the whole thing and save the day. And their way to do that is one or two people singing is not enough. They need to get everyone to sing. So They need to have the the episode end with a big musical number between the whole ship. So Buffy the Vampire Star, Once More We're Feeling, aired on the 6th of November 2001. Yeah. Ellie McBeal had a musical episode in 2000, and Xena Warrior Princess had one in 1997. So but no one cared until Buffy did it. Well, they went under the radar, but Buffy did it in 2001. But they they think that Buffy was uh, the one that that broke the the glass glass ceiling uh, because um, because uh, it was heavily publicised, whereas the others were not. Mm. Yeah, uh, but there was also interestingly enough, there was a series called Cop Rock. There was 11 episodes and it was essentially people getting tried and there was there was an episode where someone delivered a guilty verdict verdict in a big gospel number. Is this a reality TV show? I don't know. Um, Do you remember when the leprechaun wrapped? Le- 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 doing no good. Up to Le- no Le- good, Le- yeah. yeah. That film had Coolio in it. Everything had Coolio in it. Yeah. He's dead. Anyway, they sing a big musical number to save the day, and there's an amazing moment where the Klingons have turned up because it's hit them as well, and they intend to blow up this weird subspace thing, which will be bad. It will cause a massive explosion that will wipe out loads of it part of the quadrant. But the Klingons turn up, and they get on the view screen, and you get this feeling it's building up to a Klingon opera because they keep they mentioned Klingon opera when they'd spoken to the Klingons before and stuff like that. Um, but no, the Klingons are a Korean K-pop band. They just start doing a dance number and singing in part of that, and everyone thinks it's a bit weird. Um, people have started calling them the Bat Left Boys. I quite like that. Or the Kapla Players. The Kapla Players. Kapla. And all that. Um, and it was a nice little hidden cameo from um, the guy who played Hemmer in season one of Strange New Worlds. The blind, the blind um, engineer mm. who died in the first series. Spoilers. Um there's also a lot of Kirk in this series. He can't stay off the ship in one way or the other. Because um, they haven't technically met Kirk by this point in the show. Yeah. Until right towards the end. Because the the main, the first time you see James Kirk in the first series was in the finale. When Do they had that... Kirk in this one? Some guy. Oh. Some fucking guy. I can't remember his name. Not Chris Pine. No. But um, he's quite good as Kirk. He's not doing an impression. He's just channeling the character as a bit of a loose cannon... Sort of guy who's a bit, you know, willing to be impulsive. Um, but in the finale of season one, it was set like 10 years in the future. And in this one, there's an episode where um, the security offer Lan 
Officer Lan gets sent back in time by a, yeah. one of the time police guys that exist in Star Trek that the crews aren't meant to know exist. Mm. Um, she gets sent back in time to solve some problem in the past that's caused the destruction of the Federation if it doesn't get solved. And she gets sent back in time with Kirk and they have this whole adventure and she's got she's very caged up emotionally and she has like an emotional connection with Kirk and feels like she's fallen in love with him mm. and this other Kirk dies. Yay. The villain in that episode is um she was in Power Rangers RPM. She was the um the bat evil girl from Power Rangers RPM. Which evil girl? Uh I can't remember friggin' names. Tanea Seven. That's her name in Power Rangers RPM. Australian actress. Um she was a robot. But I thought that was funny. Just a Power Rangers actor. Not the first Power Rangers actor in Star Trek, by the way. Um I think the first one from that show though. But yeah, and then he's in another episode where... What happens? What is the reason why they don't meet him in that episode? Something happens. He crops up a couple of times without actually ever interacting with the rest of the crew. But then eventually he has a an episode where he's sent over to the ship for a purpose. Because he's like meant to be shadowing um, Una Chin Riley, um, played by Rebecca Romaine Stamos. He still has Stamos in her name, but despite being divorced from him for about 20 years. Yeah, God, how old was she when she She's married, married to Jerry O'Connell. I know she is. Yeah. Who's in? Piranha 3D. <laughs> and Sliders. Yeah. Yeah, but mostly Piranha 3D. And, and also Lower Decks. Yeah, well, he plays Admiral Ransom. Yeah. No, Commander Ransom. In Lower Decks. Yeah. I yeah. told you that when we did the Lower Decks. Did you? Yeah. Because he makes a comment about how hot Una Chin Riley is, doesn't he? And it's funny because he's he's her husband in real life. Ah, uh, yeah, you see, breaking that fourth wall. So, because you're such a big fan, did you see the film they did together in which she was a witch cultist that was using a pizza delivery girl's organs? I have not her. willingly watched the Jerry O'Connell film for a long Since time. Since we're on a 3D, yeah, and the Sliders reunion episode, Joe's apartment. You didn't watch Buying the Cow. No. No? No. No, okay. He's not in anything... In that relationship, he is the... He's the Marty Jannetty of that relationship. What? Marty Jannetty. What? It's a ref- wrestling reference. Oh. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it too much. He's the Andrew Ridgely oh. of that relationship. You get it now. Um, but no, the musical episode's fun. The Kirk guy's quite fun, interactive. There's an episode where they bring... Where it ends off with... Um, with Uhura, Spock and Kirk like sitting down having a drink in a bar, meeting for the first time. Um, that's a fun episode. Weird stuff. Space shit. That's what's good with the show. Every episode is the crew find some weird shite and then they solve the weird shite through teamwork. And that's what Star Trek should be. That's fucking teamwork. Which, I'm kind of glad now. I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking... Picard season one and two and season one and two of Discovery are just like anomalies. Things were going wrong. Alex Kurtzman was probably more in charge of them than he is the stuff now. I think they're kind of shoving him off to the side. Um, Season three of Discovery was bare. Four, I thought, was actually genuinely good. Season three of Picard was fantastic. And both seasons of Strange New World, which Alex Kurtzman has almost nothing to do with, have been fantastic. He has almost nothing to do with Lower Decks as well. And it's a great, fun show. Lower decks. So I think if they just hand over all of Star Trek to the guys in charge of Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks, we should be in a pretty good place from now on. Yeah, it should be. I would like a lower budget Star Trek show 
because you know how they're a bit. I mean, they look really good, but they're spending so much money on each episode of this show. Not on lower decks. They spend quite a bit on lower. Animation's expensive, but I want like to bring back a nice twenty-six episodes, chunky sets. I don't care about the effects or any of that shit. I just want CW level quality <laughs> Star Trek back. I want, I want actors who have only ever appeared in Night Court or some or Roots or some shit going through space solving nonsense. So it's funny you should mention CW because I watched three seasons of Superman and Lois yeah. in the last few weeks. Is that what you're going to review I'm now? I'm not going to review it now. No, no. But I just wanted to say that like that show looks fucking incredible. It's not just done by CW though, that is it? It's know. a collaboration with HBO Max oh, or something it? like it's that or really one of those shows. It's fucking good, man. Yeah. I've seen some bits of it. I need to watch it eventually. Like, it starts out just being like, oh, the kids are upset because he lied about being Superman and one of them's getting powers and all this other shit. Season two's like, um, kids getting powers, he's struggling with his identity at the same time. They're struggling with like this counter-earth where the other kid got powers. It builds up like um, Doomsday's turning up and it turns out to be Bizarro, doesn't like, it? Season three, season three, Doomsday is basically, they find out the Bizarro... Mm. They killed him off, but then in season two, the bloke who um, played by the guy who played Tyrese in um, in Walking Dead, yeah, he plays he plays like a version of I can't remember the name of the guy, but basically he comes up with a serum to try and cure his wife of cancer. But also has the side effect of bringing back to life super powered beings, and they've got with that crosses over, but sure for some reason. <laughs> um, but they inject it into Bizarro Superman, who died when his Earth closed, like he got killed. Uh, basically just in the in the fray and stuff and they bring him back to life and you later on Lex Luthor finds him like mm. gets him out from underneath all the rubble in the building and like finds him and finds out that the more they like that he he can just be killed and killed and killed and just comes back mm. but he comes back with like a partial immunity to whatever they kill him with so he's like, he's like, I'm gonna make you into my fucking ultimate thing. I'm gonna make you into doomsday. He never says that, but he says I'm gonna like really fuck you up, but it's gonna make you strong. Are you gonna get strong with me? And like, like he does, like the the fucking bizarro Superman is like, yeah, fucking let's do this. And then comes out and he's just all fucked up and messed up, and it's like, yeah, I'm not been done. He's yet. playing Lex Luthor in that show. Uh, the guy who played, um, not John Cryer. No, not John Cryer. You know the guy who played Bull in Band of Brothers, and he also played um, who's the Who's the army dude in Walking Dead? The one with the moustache. Herschel. Not Herschel. Um, you know, he came in like the third or fourth series. He was like friends with the nerdy dude who... Oh, yeah. He got his head caved in by Yeah, Negan. he got his head caved in by Negan. He's Lex Luthor. Yeah, he's Lex Luthor. He he's a really good Lex Luthor. Smart-sounding guy. <laughs> no, he's not smart. He's like... In this, he's more like... Um, he surrounds himself with really intelligent people. Mm. He's like created his own world. And like he enters prison and like there's all these people that are like... They're like, I'm gonna fuck you up. I'm gonna beat you up. And like on the first night, gets the shit kicked out of him. And then he goes to the goes to the guy who runs the prison. He's like, Look, you're gonna do what I say. And he's like, Why would I do that? And he goes, Answer your phone. And his phone goes off. And it's like, it's like his door. And she's like, Daddy, Daddy, they took mom. I don't know where they took mom. It's like your wife's not coming back. But if you want to see your door again, you can do what I say. <laughs> and he's like, Okay, fuck yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> And it's just like it's like yeah, ultimate intimidation. Like he's just built up a network, like into gangs in the second series. But the fucking show looks phenomenal. And Intergang from yeah. Black Adam. No, Intergang from natural DC comics rather than the shitty Black Adam one. Um, what's nice is like Superman's they let not... a whole town in the Black Adam film yeah. be taken over by a group called Intergang. Look, don't worry about it. 
Um, what's nice about this is Superman's not like all powerful Superman. Yes, he's strong. Yes, he's like, yes, he's like, like fairly invulnerable and stuff. But like when it comes to villains that he's fighting, they power a lot of them up to be on the same sort of level. Um, and it's just like, it's nice to see him get rocked every so often. He gets, he gets fucked up quite a bit. Yeah, it's like his own continuity, isn't it? It's yeah. not. I think it's Tyler Hoechlin's really good as Superman. He's so fucking good as him and Clark Kent. Because, mm. like, Henry Cavill could never do Clark Kent. Barely do Superman. He could barely do Superman. But... <laughs> Someone the other day say, what would you do in this situation then if you're so smart? There's a bit where Clark Kent's got Zod in the headlock. Yeah. And the guys... And, like, the amount of things... Just cover his eyes. Say, yeah, cover his eyes, turn his head the other way. Yeah. Like, he breaks his neck towards where the people yeah. are. Like, his eyes are still firing. In, in this... Tilt his head up, fly away. In this, when his kid's getting powers, like, because his kid's struggling, and, like, when they get powers, they can't control, like, fucking laser sight and shit like that. Yeah. So, Clark, the way that Clark deals with it, he goes, just let it go, and puts his hands over the kid's eyes, mm. and just, like, it fires the lasers into his hands, and he's like, okay, all right, you got this? You stable now? It's like, mm. yeah, it's just, like, a release of all that energy and power. And then later on, Clark does the same thing to himself. Yeah. Where he's impacted by stuff, he, like, holds, and he just does it. Mm. And it's just, like, it's simple shit, like, he... He has to pretend to be human and he joins the kids like uh, football team because one of them's really sporty and that's when he thinks he's going to get powers. He doesn't. And then his brother does and his brother like starts dominating on the football field. There's a moment where he's like, I'm going to be the assistant coach and he's playing like dorky dad and he's pretending to find this thing really heavy and bring it out. And you can see him like, he's really bad at pretending. Like he's even a dork when he's pretending to be a dork. And it's- But yeah, like there's stuff like in the third season, there's a cancer storyline where Lois Lane gets cancer. Like, initially, the initial reason they go back to Smallville, his mum dies. She dies of a heart attack. She calls him. He speeds over as soon as she calls him, and he's just too late. Like, his character's like, she's passed away. I'm really sorry. She called you when she knew what was happening, but you just didn't... It wasn't quick enough. And, like, it's just shit like that. Like, there are villains that Superman can't beat by just punching them, and, like, his wife dealing with cancer and dealing with chemotherapy. Do you punching the cancer? He does. She gets a double mastectomy at the beginning of the third season. And, like, the, the backlash to that and the trauma to that. There's an episode where Superman is talking to his wife about the fact that she doesn't feel like she's going to look pretty in a dress anymore. And it does not feel out of place in this film, in the series about Superman. Yeah. And that's fucking masterful. The fact that they've done that and you're still like, this makes sense. This is, you know, this is completely on brand for Superman. Because Superman is Clark Kent as well. Like, mm. but yeah. Unless you're lost with you. No, 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 I've, I've got another thing I'm going to review. Oh, just, fucking... Because you were saying CW level effects, I thought I'd just chuck Yeah, but I want CW, CW, I'm talking Flash and Supergirl. So I thought you CW. to look like shit, you, but you, you just you... took it on a 15-minute tangent. Sorry. About that. Anyway, what's your last review? You said you needed to go to bed early. I am so fucking excited to talk about this, and I know you are too, because did you, you want me to spoil... you get to the Sound of Freedom? You want me to spoil... I did, it's bad, but that I didn't see... I didn't go see that, I just watched it, it's on streaming. I, yeah, no one's actually seen it. It's real bad. It's like just a miserable, shitty movie, and apparently most of it's not even real. Of it's not, not true. It's like most of it. And also, the guy who apparently saves kids, a lot of those people didn't want to be saved. They were actually like like willing sex workers in certain industries, and he just kidnapped them. Mm. So technically, he's doing some trafficking. Anyway, that's besides the point. We're not going to get the right-wingers on us this month. Um, instead, what I'm going to talk about, and I went to go see TMNT Mutant Mayhem. It's... Fucking incredible. It is so good. It's fucking spectacular, Ant. After years of like Michael Bay weirdness and like Rise of the TMNT, TMNT, which was incredible, Ah. but no one watched. 
There's a very confused like episode thing Someone to try and actually it. watch it. The movie that came out on Netflix was spectacular, but like no one watched that it. That was Rise of the TMNT. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like Rise of the TMT was amazing, but no one watched it, and they immediately mm. rebooted it into this. I like the Michael Bay ones because you're a bad person. And that's all we need to say about that, Anne. But they're dumb. You might as well be murdering kids as we speak when you say stuff like... Oh. <laughs> it's the sound of freedom. It's broken my brain. I believe you're on adrenochrome now. Um, anyway, look, so TMNT, right? A Mutant Mayhem is fucking incredible. Like, the animation style is, is brilliant. It's like hand-drawn over 3D animation. Like, it looks like a whole new form of animation it looks like one of those moments in Spider-Verse they do to like really impress the audience but stretched over the whole 97 minutes and there are so many jokes that actually genuinely made me laugh Superfly played by Ice Cube he talks about how he um, he like grew up and like he came out Superfly Superfly you think it's Baxter Stockman it's not Baxter Stockman dies like in the beginning and then what happens is his creations including like a fly that is mutating they escape and that gives us like Mondo Gecko Leatherhead Cow, uh, Rocksteady and Bebop, you know all of those, all those classic mutants. They're all linked to the mute. They get fucking Leatherhead in it. Yeah, played by played by uh, um, Rose McGowan doing the most Australian accent ever. It's a, it's just it's incredible. Rose... No, she's not Australian, is she? She is. Is she? Rose McGowan is. Is she? Yeah. But did she get a leg back after she had the gun put there? Oh wait, no, wait, no, not Rose McGowan. Rose. Rose McIver. No, Rose... Ruby Rose? No, Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne? Rose Byrne. Brain. Byrne. Is she married to Will Arnett? Oh, no, Bobby Cannavale. Jesus! Will Arnett, who was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Anyway, so shut up, Ant, and listen to me. So, um, yeah, so basically, um, the the plot is strapped Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They were doused the news, became, became turtles, like turtle people hybrids. Splinter also became a rat human hybrid. Um, he has an incredible backstory. So Splinter's in, like, he's talking about his past and he's like, I was just a humble rat. Everyone hated me except for one person. He was my cockroach friend. And he's like talking to this cockroach. He gives him a little bit of, like this thing that he's eating. And then suddenly someone treads on the cockroach and then Splinter immediately goes to eat his cockroach friend. It's like, I hate him. That's <laughs> like, great. It's like, you boys don't understand. Humans are horrible. You don't ever want to go up there. Humans were so mean to me when I was around and they're even worse now. I'm like this. And they're like, okay, but like, maybe there's someone out there for you. And he's like, no, I don't have anyone out there. My life is this. <laughs> like you are my family. You don't think I've been looking for mutants today? <laughs> I'm an old man on my own. I want to date people. But I've been looking. They're like, yeah, we know you've been looking down. You've told us. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, yeah, Superfly is like the main villain. He's like the original creation that Baxter Stockman created. Instead of it being like Baxter Stockman, it's a fly. It's now basically um, he imbued his DNA into a fly along with a mutagen to make this hyper-intelligent Ice Cube voiced giant fly man. This is not the first time he's played an animal person. No, it's not. No. Um, How does this keep happening? <laughs> and uh, basically what happens is like, he's like, I used my intellect to create a machine that's going to spread the ooze all over the world and make all animals into mutants like us. Oh, sweet. And then the humans will be taken over. Like they'll be treated like shit because humans treated me like shit. They'll get treated by shit. And they're like, what made, what happened to you to make like, you like this? And he goes, well, one day I tried to be friends with the human. I went up there and I was like, I'm going to be friendly with everyone. He's like going around and like, 
Someone's like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, and then I had to molly whop him. And they're like, what's molly whop? And it's like, I beat him down. Is it Ice Cube? <laughs> you sure it's not Ice T? No, it's, it's Ice Cube. Because he's not credited on oh, soundtrack. There you go. Yeah. Look at the wrong credits. So Ice Cube, yeah. So Ice Cube, it goes like, "I was Molly whooping him." And they're like, "What's a Molly?" Was like, "We beat him down." And then, uh, and then later on, they're in like a car chase. Superfly jumps into the car and starts beating up Michelangelo. And Michelangelo goes, "Oh God, he's Molly whooping me!" <laughs> it's just like he sounds racist. Molly whooping that that sounds like a racist. It's, term. No, it's a gangster term uh, for beating someone up. Anyway, um, and and just basic like. So basically, this film somehow. I, mean, I was thinking of Ice T. Ice T played a kangaroo. Yeah, man. in uh, in in Tank Girl. Yeah, yeah. So it ends up becoming a kaiju film. Yes, no. So what happens, like, is that like Superfly goes into a zoo, all the animals merge together. He accidentally creates like himself into a big kaiju, and the turtles are like, "We're going to fight back," and they've got these guns that are used by TCRI to demutate and like uh, mutants. And they shoot it at like Superfly and they're like, we got him. He's going to demutate. And then like one horse drops off his leg and goes, runs off. And he goes, I didn't even need that horse. <laughs> I just, this is great. This is fantastic. So the art style's great. The actors are all great. The initial scene where the turtles are like, so the turtles in this are like traditional, like we want to go to high school. We want to be kids. We just want to be normal. We know we're tales, but we want to like experience life and like they have this like dream sequence where they're like, going to school and they're like, Hey, hey everyone, like woo and they're watching Ferris Bueller and they're like, Do people just like capture whole parades in high school? And they're like, Yeah, yeah, this is based on real life. <laughs> like and um <laughs> they've got like a shopping list and they're like they're like, Why why did Splinter underline party size bag of Doritos so many times? <laughs> it's just just little shit like that is incredible. They end up meeting April O'Neil, who is like sort of their gateway into high school, into like real world stuff. They help her get her moped back in their first ever fight, which is a great sequence in a garage. It's it genuinely is amazing. They're like they're like maybe maybe we're really good at this. We've been training for this for like a long time. It's like yeah, but there's a lot of guys. <laughs> they're like, oh, we're pretty good at this. They get into like a little fight. It's a really well choreographed. So they're not film. like eight foot tall, terrible. No, no, no. They're just normal human creatures. Size. They're normal human size with human teeth. And uh, <laughs> and so she takes them to high school, introduces them to high school, and there's this great little sequence where they find out that she's being bullied. And she's called Puke Girl. And like, they're like, what? Why is your name Puke Girl? And she's like, Okay, all right, guys, you're not the only ones trying to reshape your image. I'm going to tell you about this thing. And it's basically she was given the opportunity to read the morning announcements because she wants to be like a reporter. Mm. And so she's like, like Megan she, Fox. Yeah. And so she's sitting there with the morning announcements and she's like, and because of her nerves, she just starts fucking puking, like projectile vomiting. Not only does she start projectile vomiting, unwritten starts playing, you know, the rest will be unwritten. <laughs> Feel the rain on your feet. <laughs> she's like, she vomits and then like they show like a cut up like a gag reel of like different TikTok views and some people replacing it rainbows and shit just, oh. and it's just incredible it's amazing it's genuinely so fucking funny there's a joke about milking that pays off like Splinter's like you don't want to go up there you don't know what the humans will do to you they'll milk you and they're like no they don't milk mutants they won't do that to us. and then at the end there's like a whole sequence where they get trapped in a lab and they're like, we're going to extract the ooze from you. And they're like, wait, 
Extract sounds a lot like milking. And she's like, it's not milking. And they go, why does that sign say milk master 4,000? Okay, fine, it's milking. And then Splinter turns up. And he goes, wait a second, what's that machine over there? Like, it's nothing, Splinter. Ignore it. He goes, wait, wait, wait. What's that sign say? That's a milk master. They were milking you. I told you they'd milk us. They don't have nipples to milk them. It's incredible. Like the ending. Anything with a it's quite funny, like, that a lot of people are going to hate this just because it does. So. Oh, the White Wing has already decided they hated it. Oh, they? they? Yeah, because they? they made April O'Neill black. Oh, God. Um, like she wasn't drawn that way in the comics. Or people, been that way in the, the reason that probably a lot of people are going to hate this for other re- Like, the other reason people are going to hate this a lot is that. So the actual. Like, the creation of the turtles and everything. Like, the way that they're created, because it's the same ooze that created all the other mutants. When they meet Superfly, they are like, we're brothers. Mm. Like, we're all related because of the accident, because of the ooze. We're all related. We're all part of the same accident. We've got to stick together. And by the end of it, all the other mutants that are like the the general, like the bad guys and all the other stuff, they're just like, yeah, we'll be friends with you. Yeah, fuck it. Like, because they all came from the same place. They're all just like, we only have each other, really. We don't have humanity. Let's all just be friends. There's no shredder. There's no like. There's no, like, uh, Krang. There's none of that shit. So they've got no, like... Superfly was basically just manipulating them into hating people because they didn't actually care. They were like, as long as we've got our family, we're kind of happy. It's all about family. It's all about my familia. I saw the end of one of the Fast and Furious. No, you didn't, because you didn't see the beginning. I saw the... um, You didn't see all the way through. It's one one long ice. And there's the boat, submarine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the rock redirects her. Yeah, you move fast enough. With his hand. Yeah. Slides it. Just grabs it, and he's like, turn left, Um, um, there's Jason Statham with the baby so anyway TMT, TMNT Mutant Mayhem it's fucking incredible this deserves an Oscar for animation like I think Spider-Verse oh it'll go to some mediocre no no Spider-Verse will take it this year because Spider-Verse like technically Spider-Verse has developed its style so much since since that first mm. film like there is stuff in Spider-Verse that is hand drawn hand animated like stop motion shit didn't Into the Spider-Verse not win the animation it did it did yeah but it was up against like nothing this is going to be like actual competition there was something that came out a couple of years ago that was like it was really flashy and it lost to just like another Disney movie I can't remember no no but anyway so this is this is incredible this is a Tom Atkins this film is great it's I loved it I genuinely loved it like it's funny it's smart it's so fucking quick like if there's a joke that doesn't hit there'll be another joke that's genuinely funny five seconds after um, the kaiju ending where they're like going through the streets in New York facing off against this giant monstrosity looks incredible and like there's actual change to the so whereas like all the other turtles things it's like oh we're just going back to the sewers we're just going to go back to we're never going to accomplish anything that we want to in this they're just like hey look there's actual character growth and change and and, and it's pretty incredible and like they give Splinter a girlfriend who doesn't want that dirty little rat man <laughs> fucking it's the line, when he delivers that line, Jackie Chan is good in this. Like, as much as Jackie Chan in real life is probably an arsehole, because I think he's a homophobe and he hates his door. But yeah, in, is that. in this, he's very... Oh, I'm thinking of when Klaus lost to, like, Toy Story 4. Because Klaus is, like, Hand animated, yeah, yeah. It's Hard, Hard Man Studios, isn't it? I don't think so. Yeah, Klaus... No, Klaus isn't, actually. Sorry, no, that's the... Oh, and the Mitchells versus the Machines lost to Encanto as well, didn't it? Oh, God. How did that lose to Encanto? Yeah, because this is directed... The new TMNT is directed by the same director, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. The Mitchells. Oh, and Puss in Boots didn't win. I suppose Guillermo del Toro's 
Pinocchio did though. That I watched that Pinocchio film. It is fucking incredible. Yeah, I've heard. Um, but yeah, TMNT, Mute Mayhem. It's it's amazing. Tom Atkins. It's I fucking loved every second of it. Like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like I, they've had a lot of hits in the past, and that Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film that I watched last year. That was I thought that was like the best I was going to get from that thing because from that from the series because it's funny. It's smart. It's beautifully animated. It's like it really just delves into those anime style influences. The action scenes mm. were fucking incredible. Did we talk about Secret Invasion? It had like a proper heart to it. No, because it's pointless talking about that show. Yeah, it's really, a crap show. It really messed up at the it's end. Real bad. I was really liking it for the first few episodes. I know. I know. And then they killed off Ben Mendo Mendelssohn. Yeah. They killed off so many people and they were just like, yeah, they're terrible dead. Terrible ending. <laughs> so bad. Anyway, so yeah, so, um, I fucking love TMNT, TMNT Mutant Mayhem. I'm going to see it again. Mm. Um, yeah, just brilliant. Like, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and this are the two best things for that property. Um, just phenomenal. Like, the series only gets better as, like, they take on more influences and, like... Getting really tired of the friggin' Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fans who still refuse to accept anything that isn't the, the old cartoon. Look, nice guy. Transformer fans move on quite easily. Transformer no, fans. No, they friggin- fucking don't. They do. You're as bad. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're much better. <laughs> the Transformers fans freaking love Earthspark. Animated and Prime people constantly argue about which one's better. And they're two cartoons that are like 20 odd years into the friggin' franchise's existence. Yeah. Like there's loads of love for Armada right now going around. Like people, there's, there's G1ers who love their G1 stuff, but everyone's like told them to shut up. Because we got so much stuff since then but then you get turtles and the moment you show a new looking turtles thing the weirdos hate it well it's, like, I think that it's, it's been put really like there's been a lot of like people that have like already explained this but I think that the one you grew up with is like there's a lot of people that are just like that's my one and the problem is that if you if you do that you don't open yourself up to like more interesting you ideas and concepts fucking... you got to develop and adapt and learn well, I know those people hate Thundercats Raw I'll tell you what watch a cup if you can actually find any of Thundercats Raw it's actually quite funny. No, instead, don't. But watch it's that. not great. Watch all of but of the teams but they keep going about. Remember the two thousand and one, two thousands Thundercats show, two thousand six, two thousand seven, whenever it was, it came out. Yeah, actually, it was two thousand. It's quite new in that. The one thing I will say about this one mm. is that one of my favorite <clears throat> thing, one of like my preferred Splinters, is like the slightly more serious and slightly more sad version of him, where it's a human that's become a rat rather than the other way around, and a rat mm. becoming a human. But in this, it works because like you couldn't have that kind the of original cartoon. No, was it? I can't remember. In the original cartoon, it's a rat. Yeah. And then in the film, it's a rat. Because they do the... Yeah, the little bit where he's learning yeah. kung fu from his master. It's only... I think it was the 2003 one, or... Hmm. Yeah, but, like, sometimes they make him a man, which makes more sense for the martial arts side of things. But in this, such a fucking incredible sequence, I was like, I thought I needed to teach you to defend yourselves. So I, so I did it the only way I know how. And it's just like a bunch of really cheesy martial arts VHSs. And it's like... Well, those are Jackie Chan stuff. No, no, no. It's not Jackie Chan stuff. It's oh, they should have shown a bit But from... it's like, it like fucking Black Ninja where he hits himself in the head with nunchucks and stuff. Freaking, was it Snake and Eagle Shadow? Where he gets no, the guy in the knackers? It's so... It's just <laughs> so fun. It's really, really fun. Really good. And kids would probably fucking love it. I, I thought it was great. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I think that holding on to something too preciously, you just you're, you're bound to never have that experience again. At least if you're open to Learned new versions. Like there's been loads of He-Man recently. 
People are turning on He-Man Revelations, but I remember people raving about that. I liked He-Man out. Revelations. It was fine. There's bits of it I really didn't like. Yeah, the second half wasn't great, and I but, was um, pissed off that they didn't do more with the body horror stuff, but that's like... But it seems like with the He-Man stuff, the more the more <laughs> it turns away from actually being good, the more people hate it. She-Ra was great. I never watched it. The 3D CGI He-Man cartoon was fun, but it just stops. It doesn't end. Yeah. Um, but that was perfectly fine and fun. I thought Revelations was the worst out of the three. The freaking evil Lynn seducing Skeletor and trying to make it. Fucking Jesus Christ, that was weird. They've got another series, haven't they? What? Another series of that He-Man. Revelations? Yeah, there's a... Well, Revolutions, this, this has already been greenlit for a sequel. They're doing a series. For and a series. Well. Yeah. yeah. And I'm really excited for that because, like, like I said, the ending, not to spoil it, but they kind of get what they want. They they actually get to go to high school, oh. and I kind of find that really interesting because it means like it means freaks kind of them in high school. Ooh. Well, no, I think it's really interesting because it does show like come on, it's been years and these like in the comics, in the films, in the books, even in the series, they always played like they were older than teens. Yeah, they never seemed like they were actually teens. In this, they're played by kids. They act like kids. There's the scene, the first fight that they get into when they're like beating the shit out of people. Like Raph's like, I think about fighting every fucking day. And he runs in, immediately stacks it. One of his like, is it a kunai that he has? What is the thing that he has? Sai. Kunai's a throwing sword. Oh, Sorry, the Sai. It bounces off the thing and hits, hits Donatello in the leg and he just goes, ah, God! <laughs> like that. What it's I would just... do to end the film is, there's uh, a knock at the sewer door and they answer it. And there's light shining as a silhouette. It's another turtle. Venus de Milo is back. What was the name of Venus de Milo in the next mutation? Venus de Milo. No, wait, no, but there was another female. There's another girl one in the comics, wasn't there? Was and there was that time when April O'Neil turned into a mute turtle in the comics as well. Ah. Mm. Ah. They should um, do an animated film where it's the cross, the, you know, the current crossover they've done with Turtles and Power Rangers? Yeah. They should do that. Like, mix them up a bit. Mix them up a bit. I'll do the one where they, because the most recent one, the, Turtles get the um, Power Rangers get mutant powers and they all turn into like mutants, like based on what Zord they are. Oh, so, nice. so the Jason becomes a T Rex. He guy. has no arms, little tiny arms. Oh my god! But um, yeah, I think they should do that. <laughs> I I'm just I'm looking forward to what comes next from the series. I'm just I'm a massive fan. I I was pissed off when they they finished Rise after that film because that film was so good mm. and could easily lead into like a, another Still series. Still watched of that it. It's really worth watching. Like, the ending alone is fucking phenomenal because you know what the plot is of that one, don't you? Yeah, that old time travel thingy. Isn't it? No, 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 no. Like, so only Casey Jones goes back. So Casey Jones yeah, is a kid a from the future. Yeah, time travel story. Yeah, Casey Jones goes back and he says, we need to find this thing. And, like, he knows that, like, well, basically his whole thing is he's got to change the future so that everything doesn't happen. And so he just goes back and then he just joins the Tales. And it's Crank. But the Krang are, like, intimidating regardless of whether they're in the suits or not. Do you remember when Stephen Amell played Stephen Amell as Casey Jones? He was so bad as Casey Jones. I enjoy that film. I know you do, but, like... Because, like, 20 minutes in, they've got the party wagon, they've been firing sewer covers off, absolutely murdering some Foot Clan Mm. soldiers, and then Shredder gets, like, sucked into another dimension, and there's no, like, big build-up to Krang appearing. It's just like, hi, I'm Krang. Krang is here. Yeah. I'm voiced by Raymond's brother from Everybody Loves Raymond. Actually, did quite a decent job of it. He did it all right, didn't yeah. he? 
Um, the film doesn't give any shit about like building suspense. It's just like no, this is a Saturday morning car, you mate, and it has that sequence of Will Arnett when he's pulling the cable, which is like, oh yeah, that's the that is like something good. from a frigging Pink Panther that movie. Is, that, is, <laughs> that, that is the one good bit. Yeah. Um, and John I, Cena and Thingy as um, Bebop and Rocksteady. No, it's not John Cena. Not John. Seamus. Seamus mm-hmm. and uh, the dad from from Malcolm in the Middle, the black dad. Oh yeah, yeah, that's who it is. He's got skinny. So skinny. It looks weird, but, but like, no, that was awesome. The one good thing about that team, that that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is Bebop and Rocksteady are in a gay relationship, and it's adorable. Yeah, blatantly. Yeah, they're very, they're very yes. like they're always really positive to each other, and they're like, "I love you, bro." And like, oh, all right. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. But no, I genuinely does Usagi Ujimbo turn up in? Yeah, this no, film? he doesn't. And then he went, "Oh, no. he's my favorite." But like, there is like, there's like a change to status quo. Like the whole film is a change of like what we've known before, and it just works. It just really fucking works. And like, if you watch Tears Mutant Ninja Turtles, and all you wanted from it was like they fight aliens, they fight this, they fight that, and you never wanted them to develop or change. Of and course, you know, wants. That's all everyone wants. Yeah, then they don't course, want stories. They want information. Yeah, of course, they're not going to enjoy anything new. But like, as soon as you start, like, even Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles, like, they introduce new ideas and they like change the main villain and they did all this other stuff. And like, Krang and that came back for the movie. But when they came back, like, Krang was like this fucking. They're not like physical. They're not like singular creatures. They're more like ooze. Oh, the Krang in Rise of TMNT are a race, isn't it? It's a whole race of Yeah, it's like aliens. a bunch of monsters. But yeah. they're like, basically, like they can expand their bodies as big as they want. They're, they're a bit like, they fight a bit like the monsters from um, Edge of Tomorrow. Like they just spin around you and fuck you up. And then mm. like they infect people with like parasites and make them mutate. Yeah. It's like really fucking cool. And like, this is why I don't understand. Like, why hold on to something that doesn't exist anymore? You're never going to get any more of when there's something new that you could enjoy. You know, if you just pull a stick out your ass and stop acting like a cunt. Do the trans um, Chris McFeely, who does the Transformers the Basics videos, once pissed off the entirety of the Thomas the Tank Engine fandom because you know there's that newer Thomas the Tank yeah. Engine cartoon with the newer design. Yeah, he just went. Why do the Thomas Tank Engine fans so angry about this? Oh, and they God. got so angry at him. And he said, he basically came to the conclusion that, I mean, other than it's a bit weird that there's like adult fans who are deadly into Thomas the Tank Engine, he was like, he came to the conclusion that it's like the first time it's had a full visual reboot and they couldn't accept that the visual reboot had happened and all this sort of stuff. Whereas like most people who are fans of things from the 80s, like, it's been rebooted a million times by now. There's still weirdos who don't want to accept anything new. They want exactly how it was in the old days. But I say with the Transformers fandom, you pretty much accept all the change. Power Rangers is fine. People don't mind if Power Rangers changes up because, you know, every year it changes. But the Thomas Tank Engine fans, what's going on with them? Everyone's fucking nuts, mate. And it's all old people. Yeah. None of them are young Kids people. don't give a shit. Kids do not give a fuck. They just, if they enjoy something, they enjoy it. Adults are like, they're not worth fucking And so they just get over your fucking... It's just that they see a kid saying that they enjoy a new show and they feel the need to tell them they're stupid Back for hating day, it. day, turtles were doing everything. It's dumb, it's so much better than I... That's you show so a kid today the G1 Transformers cartoon or Thundercats or the original Turtles cartoon, they're going to think it's quaint. They might enjoy it, but no, they're going like, to think it's a bit shit. You know what they'll say? They'll be like... When does the show start and why is this commercial on for... <laughs> Where's this advert for toys on? Yeah, Yay for the deregulation of <laughs> video. Ronald Reagan! Ronald Reagan! Yay, Reaganomics. <laughs> I like the fact 
that if an American listens to this podcast, there's a high chance they don't have the history literacy to understand that joke. Fucking it's astounding history. the amount of cartoons that came out in the 80s just to sell toys yeah. have sustained hundreds of YouTube channels yeah Toy yeah. Galaxy is like I love it's Toy Galaxy but well, Secret Galaxy is what it's called now oh, yeah. but it, he is doing amazing with yeah. these videos every week covering I'm so happy when he did Mummies Alive oh yeah yeah, yeah. With the mummies I was happy when he did the freaking Battle Beast the other day because a lot of people yeah. don't realise that ties into Transformers so <laughs> I want a battle beast. I don't have any battle okay, beasts. Great. Can you get me one? No. Go find a battle beast. No. I told you. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so um TNT, just Tom Hack, just fucking thoroughly enjoy. But I think you'd really like this if you Yeah, I'll watch it. Watch it. Just, it's gonna be on Paramount Plus. I haven't got the it? money to go out to the cinema. It'll be on Paramount Plus. Blue Beetle's Plus. out next week though, and I really want to see Blue Beetle in the cinema. I might actually be seeing that tomorrow. It might be the screen unseen. Mm. Because it, you know, um, I don't know, Warner Brothers films probably aren't gonna be in screen unseen as it is. It's really projected to do badly. Like super bad, I think. Uh, I think it's going to do fine because it's like a two hundred fifty million dollar movie. It'll be fine, it'll be fine. It won't. It's going to do be bad. Fine. It's going to do bad, dude. It looks like a Carmen Rider. I yeah, I know. It's it. Be it looks bad. like Carmen Rider. Have you seen? Like, I, I've noticed that there's one thing they've like all of Western adverts for this, like the American and and UK adverts have cut this part out of it. In the in the Chinese advert for it. They have a shot of his back after the Beatles gone inside his body. That's in the trailers. I've seen that. Is it? Is it in some of the trailers you've seen? Yeah, yeah. Like all the... and it's fucked up. Like it's in yeah. his spine. Yeah, <laughs> like it's broken out. <laughs> yeah, because a bit where the mum goes, "Oh, I forgot how bad it looks," or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, see yeah. in the trailers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is I haven't it? seen the newer trailers for it, so maybe it was in one of the newer ones. I haven't watched them, and all these people keep saying there's, they're not promoting it. Oh, I've seen posters everywhere. I've seen these trailers and stuff. I've seen yeah. fucking all sorts. I'm gonna, I want to see it because it's Blue Beetle. Well, I'll let you know if it's. I'll let it's you know my favourite Blue Beetle as well because I don't give a shit about Ted Cord or the other one, whatever his name is. Fucking, they're boring. This Blue Beetle's the best one because he he's a Carmen Rider, <laughs> straight up Carmen Rider. It's gonna be interesting to see how it is, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a look and check it out. Um, if it's not the screen unseen tomorrow and it's something like something different because as much as I'd say like it's a WB film it's not going to be screen unseen Free Guy was a screen unseen film Free Guy yeah and that was massive that was Disney buying that out from Fox yeah, and they got stuck it's with still it massive, so it's still I love in that film you can tell the exact moment Disney brought Fox <laughs> it's like just <laughs> he's got the Captain America show on the lightsaber that's the exact moment it happened yeah uh, you can actually see the check just drift off of the screen <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, you done? Yeah, I'm done. That's well, that's my review. It. Um. All right. So you can find Ant at Wobbles Hout on Twitter. You can also find him ah. at Ant hmm? at Ant's Bot Collection on YouTube, and also what Mellow Gaming on YouTube. LV Fifty Four Space Monkey on Twitter. Cool. Okay, you can find me at Crit Apocalypse everywhere. Is there anything that you're looking forward to? I mean, just Blue Beetle, really. Just, just gonna watch Blue Beetle, and I think Carmen Rider Gates ends in the next couple of weeks. The current Carmen Rider series. Okay, cool. Got Chard is the next one. Got Chard. Yeah, I can't like the costume. As in, on it. as in Chard, the the green leafy. I don't know, his catchphrase is like "I gotcha" or something. I don't like this hand. Um, I'm like, what this, what's happening? But his costume's kind of cool. It's got the has goggles on it, and. Goggles make costumes look cool. Like, you know when Donatello has the goggles on his head in TMNT? It's a superior design. Yeah. Or when Ray Stance has the goggles on his head. Put goggles on your characters, man. Yeah, just chuck some goggles on them. Do you know what if, anyway, Highlander. So, I forgot the film starts off with a wrestling match. 
um, between the fabulous Freebirds and the Tonga Kid and mm. someone else. And there's a shot where the camera pans around the arena, flying around, right? Yeah. Goes from up top, right through the crowd, around the arena, circles around it, turns, curves sideways, goes up into the audience. I have no idea how they did that shot, because it was 1986, and drones weren't a thing, and you wouldn't have been able to do that with a crane, and the wire camera rig things weren't around back then. You know the wire camera things they use in football? In American football and all that sort of stuff where they swing the camera. How did they do that shot in 1986? They just threw a camera. They just threw it? Yeah, just threw a camera. On a boomerang. To, no, no, no. Attached to, uh, attached to uh, football. Yeah, attached to American f- football. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, Highlander's a weird film. Highlander's a fucking weird film, mate. No one has a real accent in that film. Yeah. And they even point it out. Do, it, do the Scottish accent. What, do, it, do, what is, do the Spanish-Scottish accent for me. The fucking, what, which one? The, the Christopher Lambert or Sean Connery. Sean Connery just does a Scottish accent. I was reading the wiki and it said he was getting training to do a Spanish accent. That's bullshit. And Christopher Lambert, like all the other actors in the Scottish Highland scenes, yeah, like do bad Scottish accents because they have to like compensate. <laughs> yeah, because they have to make it not unusual that Christopher Lambert's accent so bad. He learned English for this film. Oh, did you do it phonetically? Yeah. Nice. But good for well, I mean, he actually learned the English. He's quite a smart guy, Christopher Lambert. Yeah, he's, like, he's, yeah, he's He also does the <laughs> <laughs> laugh famous from Mortal Kombat. Um, and it's got Clancy I Brown in it. I don't think so. <laughs> it's got Clancy Brown. It does have Clancy Brown. It's the, the Kurgan. Kurgan. Kurgan yeah. yeah. Hey there, Grandma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fun film. I fucking love that movie. All right, anyway. That's a fucking nonsense. It's great. Anyway, um... Thank you all for joining us. Have a great day. Have a great time. Have the best of days. I've already clicked stop. I haven't really. I'm just making. Andrew that. Tate's going to prison because he's a fucking pedo. All right. Okay. Can you stop now? Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.